back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny and Stefan. What's going on, guys? Hi. Whoa, who's that? I know. We can't do this every time Stefan shows up. I know. I don't, I, I, it's not that infrequent. I know. Yeah. Um, no, I, it was weird. You're actually, I wanted to tell the listeners, uh, we actually talk over Stefan so frequently. He's been on every episode. We just <laughs> talked over him the whole time, you, so you didn't hear him. He's been here, though. All right, well, do you want to hear a, a cool story of something that happened to me uh, yesterday since uh, since you're going to talk over me the rest of the episode? Might as well get it out yeah, now. Yeah, do it. So I, uh, I've, I've recently decided that I like don't see my friends enough, so I'm like, including you, Johnny. So I'm going to uh, try to make a concerted effort to see my friends. And one of those friends is my best friend, Jeremy. And uh, I hadn't seen him in uh, a couple years face to face. And like Jeremy's house is was like the place when we were kids that we would do like land parties, like as early as like Starcraft land parties and stuff like that. So um, and and he <laughs> I didn't realize how big of a stockpile of like the old like community machines, like like our computers that we were bringing over that we just like junked at Jeremy's and like, this like weird land of time forgot for PCs. And so I was over there <laughs> last night and I found like one of my old XP machines. So I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Like, so now I'm gonna, I, I, I wanted to build an XP machine anyway, just cause. Uh, but now not only am I gonna be able to build an XP machine, I'm going to be able to rebuild my XP machine from when I was a kid. Because it was still at Jeremy's. Nice. Thanks, Jeremy. And past Stefan, you did it. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> cool. cool. But also, my my budget back when Windows XP was a thing was not nearly as much as I wanted it to be. And uh, <laughs> like, I would love to go back and just build like the computer I wanted when I was 14 years old. I think that would be so much fun. Because I was like tracking all the hardware and the magazines and stuff. And I just know... The, for whatever reason, the pr CPU I thought was the coolest was an AMD FX60. I don't remember if it was like one of the earliest dual core or quad core CPUs. I just knew that it ran Crisis like a motherfucker. And it's probably, <laughs> it's probably like useless now, but I bet it's like a hundred bucks for me to go get one. <laughs> Johnny, uh, Tyler was in high school when Crisis came out. Uh, I know, that's uh, was I? My... That might, I might have <laughs> been my first year of college, but yeah. Yeah, guys, I'm 33. <laughs> I don't know. That's not that young anymore, is it? No, but it's still 10 years younger than I am. Yeah, we so. still we still constantly get older than you are. It's like, crazy we, how we that stay works. older than you. Are. I I told you it's especially weird for me because in my friend group, like going through high school, I was always the baby. I was the youngest, mm. so always being the oldest now is like a weird flip for me. I'm like, because I I changed friend groups as I grew up. I still have like a couple of those friends, but. Like most of my friends are now like a couple of years younger or 10 years younger now. Uh, and so it's like, oh, weird. I'm the I, old one now. Huh. I had a weird paradigm shift with college because I tested out of high school when I was 16. And then so I then I went directly into college and got my associates really, really young. So I was absolutely by far the youngest kid uh, in uh, in in my classes. And then. I waited, a dr I went to the game industry forever, and I always said, okay, well, if my degree ever got uh, in my way, basically, or my lack of degree ever got in my way from my, from my upward mobility, then I would go back for my degree. And so that didn't happen until the housing crisis of 2008. So then I was getting my bachelor's degree, and I was like by far the oldest person in my classes, and it was just a very strange paradigm shift. You know, I... Uh, 
I went to school with someone who was 14 years old uh, to college, and he was really obviously socially maladjusted, being like four years younger than everyone else. And that really explains a lot about Stefan, I think. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Guys, you want to get into the episode? I, right. I guess we should. All right, yeah. Coming at you live from the power of clickable titles, we are going to be ranking uh, just what we think in general might be the seven most collectible consoles off the top of our head. Yeah, but to be clear, we didn't. We're not. We didn't do a ranking of all the consoles and say these are the seven most. We kind of we made a ranking system and uh, criteria, and we said, okay, we think these are the seven most collectible. Let's put them through the sausage maker of our criteria and see what comes out on top out of these seven. Uh, yes. Yeah, so through the power of clickable titles and dubious statistics. Uh, we've got Absolutely. a big old spreadsheet of how we rated each of these consoles on a bunch of different criteria. Johnny, yeah, do you want to explain our great spreadsheet we have here? Sure. So, yeah, the the great spreadsheet that you guys can't see. Let me explain it real quick. <laughs> um, anyways, we, we have a couple of things in which we're ranking on. Uh, I'll tell you the consoles in a minute. We're game quality, but that's not... It's not like, oh, is it well made? Does the case hold up? No, we're talking about the quality of, like playability and fun uh kind of that is a factor here so how good on average are the games for the system including what is the ratio of like perhaps shovelware in that uh game variety we are looking at a couple different criteria in this one as well uh but genres and innovation uh does the library have many types of games is it all just shmups or is it all just fighters like think of neo geo as a system that is very narrow um how many genres are available does it have many iterative franchises? Meaning, is it? Are there a lot of games on the system? But is there forty Call of Duties and forty Maddens? And like, does that total get inflated by just uh, sports titles for fifteen years? Look at PS2 and all their sports titles padding out the library. Does it have a lot of that stuff to the quality of the library, uh, diversity of the library? That kind of uh, sums up what that was all about. And then, does it have a lot of third-party support or none? So, if you think about the Wii U is a system that looks like it has third-party support, but not really. All the best titles are just from Nintendo. Third-party didn't really know how to make for it, so while it even had third-party, it, like, barely counts. So that's that's some of the factoring we did. Uh, iconic titles. So this is a new category, and this is how many titles. Like, does it have major mascot titles? Does it have a Mario or a Sonic like that? Major licenses. So beyond just mascots, like... How many major licenses did this system produce or carry through? And does it have many exclusives? Think of like the PS3 was a house for a lot of like really high quality exclusives. And um, so like that value proposition is our next one. And on this, we mean like the value of your money. If you put if you buy a game, like if you buy stadium events right now, probably going to hold its value. It may not increase a bunch, but you're probably you could probably get the same money out. So, man, you are value. all right. I know you're going over. I mean, I would debate you on that a hundred percent. But okay, keep going. Why? Why interject that right there? Why, what? what, yeah, what you know, bring no, up your what, example what? as stadium events as a title that's guaranteed like stability. It has never dipped, really. Right? Nothing has ever dipped besides that's the games not, we talked about last episode. <laughs> yeah, but I, but 
I, I'm just saying, like, if if you put your money into it, there's also long-term value and then potential to grow. These are the factors we're considering. Like, I wouldn't say an Atari game is as safe. Like, the booming Spider-Man business, like, do you think you should go buy that right now? Do you think you should go buy a Spider-Man at, at its highs or dip, get it recess? The Spider-Man Over stadium dip, events, 100% buy Spider-Man. Buy the, the Spider-Man The dip. fundamental aspects of the game matter so much more than stadium events. We're, but we're talking about the value proposition here. Yes. Long term, in 50 years, Spider-Man and Atari okay. 2600 is going to be worth 100 times what stadium events is. You think? Quote me on it. I'll be on my deathbed. I don't care. Come back to me with that okay. quote. Okay. So, the, okay, asshole Tyler, you're like totally just derailing this, but sure. <laughs> Put in your example then and then use that using the same criteria. I was just throwing out a safe title that is expensive to be like, oh, if you bought this, like you're probably getting your money out of it. So you don't, you're not as worried. I would say, and people aren't game collectors for 50 or a hundred years. They're like, on average, the game collector lifespan is what, like five years before people burn out or move on. And who knows, like with the new, like investor crop that's in, like, like you have to think about the average lifespan of, of a collector in that hobby. Johnny. Right. I know that I told you that the reason why I'm not on the show anymore is because of my schedule. It's not. It's Tyler. Oh, that, that's really fair. <laughs> yeah. Totally fair. Anyways, value proposition. You put your money into it. Can you get it out later? Long-term value and potential to grow. Cost of collecting. So this is different than value. This is how much are games like average games? Are they very expensive? Does the system have any set killers? What is the cost if you tried to get the whole library if you were an insane person and we're doing sets? But also consider that that doesn't necessarily mean shovelware. The average cost per game if you were going to collect just those games. The library if you're collecting the set, but if you're like, oh, I want to buy some PS2 titles and get a curated system, are the average cost of the good games, the games that people actually want to buy very expensive? Or are they like, hey, Ratchet and Clank is something everybody wants and that's still like 10 bucks, so awesome. So... You know, it's pretty cheap to get it. And uh, expensive here, if it's more expensive, we're giving it a one. Uh, our scale is one through seven. So at, expensive is one, bad. Seven is good, cheap. Extendability. What can you do beyond just buying the basic games in the system? Can you complete a set? Is, uh, is our unlicensed stuff? Homebrew, aftermarket. Can you expand beyond your region? That's kind of what we're looking at. Is there cool consoles? Is there... Whatever, whatever extra where you're like, I, I'm not just buying the games. I can also branch out to new games beyond within that. And then this is uh, a throwback category, Tilt. If you know it, you know. Tilt is kind of an all-encompassing, uh, we don't want to call it other, but it contains some, uh, it has a certain je ne sais quoi, yeah? Uh, a cool factor. And then other things like, how are the quality of the boxes? Does this have any, does this system have any historical significance? Did the hardware have like issues through its lifespan? Were there cool special editions? Were the controllers good? All that extra stuff that just adds the meat to a when you're thinking about like what makes a system cool, then this is where that all lives. And our scores again, the, the range is one through seven, one being the lowest, seven being the highest. And we kind of debate and we'll give you a totals and what came out on, on top when we get there. And uh, does someone else want to talk about what consoles we're doing? Sure. We decided not to do uh, everything under the sun because, I mean, we wouldn't want a four-hour podcast, so we'll just stick to the three-hour podcast. Um, but we're doing Atari, NES, 
SNES, Genesis, PS1, N64, Saturn, and PS2. Are there anyth- anything on this list you guys wish we did, just out of curiosity? Like anything that, like, now that you're looking at what we have here, like, you're like, hmm, should have done that. I don't think so, because I, I think we picked these with the idea that if we were to ask the average collector, like, what are the best consoles to collect for, this is sure. what we would have got to. And we want to expand in the future, and we'll we'll go over portables. Yeah, I know there's a whole subset of people going, like, what about get Yes, yes, we know. Settle down. We will do one specifically for portables, and then this spreadsheet is going to live on on our Patreon and Discord, so you'll be able to... You'll be able to find it, and we we can tell you what the overall rankings. My my goal is I want to put this up, and then I want our patrons to be able to go in and put their ranking. So the collective que- uh, collectors quest Discord will have like its whole ranking, uh, apps uh, you know, absent of what just the hosted. Like what did our whole Discord feel about this, and you know, so they can kind of see how they stacked against what we would have rated. So it's a it's a fun little addition there as well. So nothing yet. To answer your question specifically, because I want to do more of these, Stefan, and then mm. when we go back and we do So You Want to Collect, we'll be able to reference this rankings and uh, go back to this document that we have and, you know, add to it and then uh, expand. Like, we want to do one with modern consoles and, you know, like I said, portables or least collectible consoles and stuff like that. So we can play around with this as an idea. Yeah, I think I think for me, Turbo was the only one that I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. I expected to be on this list. Would you? Could, I guess you probably could. But I was gonna say, would you find many people saying Turbo Graphics is the most collectible system? And yes. yeah, there's some some weirdos, <laughs> and we know them. But yes. they're wrong. I, I mean, okay, they're friends. wrong, and they should know they're wrong. Our friends, weirdos, and former listeners. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but those people. A lot of those people are like pretty. We're going to save that for the, the ranking niche consoles uh, episode yeah. where we go over 3DO and CDI yeah. and all that garbage. Yeah, because we want that's an episode we want to do as well. So so I guess should we start uh, with Atari, guys? I feel like I, I have to I feel like there is someone I have to justify putting Atari 2600 into this episode into. I do want to point out that uh, Atari Age is probably the largest traditional retro game and game collecting forum ever and kind of always has been. Uh, someone might be able to provide a counterexample, maybe like Reset Era, which is what uh, NeoGAF was. I don't know how much they're into like game collecting and actually retro stuff, but Atari Age is and always has been enormous, way bigger than Nintendo Age ever was. Uh, so I think there is a huge amount of people who would call Atari 2600 the most collectible console of all time. However right they may be about that. Or however close to death they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Those so do people we... don't even listen to podcasts because they can't figure <laughs> out how to get them on their radio. That's right. Uh... <laughs> 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 All right. So Atari game quality, remembering that one is the lowest and seven is the highest. Johnny gave it a two. I gave it a three and Stefan gave it a two. Uh, guys, we're not so hot on Atari. You guys seem to really not like Atari. I I don't think I'm being a hater here with Atari. I think it's a limitation of the of the hardware, not necessarily like at of the time. Yeah, but I think it's just limited. There's one button, and the joystick is one type. So there's only so much you can do, and there's only so much processing power. So um, I think they did a lot for what they had, but. I, you know, I, I think it's just yeah, kind of locked in there. Because look, we're still we're still looking at this through the lens of like sitting here in 2022, 
right? Looking back at this thing. And so like, you know, if it was, if we were, if we were talking about this in the eighties, then it would be a very different conversation about game quality, but we have, you know, we are where we are. And so I think it's, I think it's fair to give a relatively low score to game quality because we have the, the, the history of, of gaming to compare it to. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's absent of like, Again, as Stefan was saying, it's not a time capsule. This is being compared to time. It's not its fault. I don't blame it, but it is yeah, of the, I, its I era. ain't mad at you. Yeah. All right. I mean, I only gave it one point higher. I recognize that we're putting this on the same scale as, like, PlayStation 1. Um, but I think there are excellent Atari games. Like, just period. It's a console that has at least some amount of excellent games. And as someone who played through the Fairchild Channel F library, I know there are consoles with no redeeming games that would be like ones. And I could probably think of a two that would definitely go under Atari, like Atari 5200, Atari 7800, all that stuff I would definitely put below Atari 2600. So I've got it. Yeah, isn't the Fairchild like all those games are like a, a variety of like varying degrees of just like blocks, like moving blocks? Uh, No, it's it's closer to the Odyssey 2 in the graphics, I think. Um, but there's no innovation to any. They're all ripoffs of other games for other systems. Right, right, right. So game variety for Atari 2600. Uh, Johnny and Stefan went with a three, and I went with a four. Again, Tyler giving Atari more props than it's due. Look, uh, I don't think same argument. I don't think uh, the f- messing around with the physical switch on the uh, on the console counts as variety. Um, which actually I considered when I was when I was figuring this out, but. Uh, yeah, man, there's just, you know, there was, I mean, it's sort of game quality and game variety, I think, for this particular console, because to Johnny's earlier point, it's so, um, you know, that we're, we're looking so far back. Um, uh, game variety and game quality are, are going to be almost synonymous, if not just related, um, in that, like, you know, there was just the, the, same, the same hardware limitations that were affecting game quality are going to be uh, affecting game variety as well. I agree, and I think Atari is heavy on easy stuff with like a black background, so 2D shooters. But I do think the Wild West factor definitely is going to bump it up to at least a four for me, because there are games like Dragster, a game that literally takes like less than 10 seconds to play the entire game. And there's nothing like that. You can't, I mean, you know what? There's something like it on the Fairchild Channel F because they totally ripped it off. But like, <laughs> there's there's nothing like that anywhere past Atari. You'll never see a game like that. Or even Kaboom, where it kind of a reverse breakout almost. Or or Quad Run is a shooter where you're you're in you the game plays on like a plus sign. It makes no sense. You shoot and then you have to catch your bullet. It like who would ever design a game like that? And that aspect of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred uh, bumps up to a four, which I would put as middle of the road. I'd just say I think Atari did a lot with what they had, but I am I'm still I'm still constraining it to my hardware limitations argument. But you can see that it's for game variety is higher than my game quality score sure. by one. I, I think they I think for what they did and like, you know, pioneering a lot of stuff, pretty awesome. But you know, still not better than a three. So this is a hard one now. Iconic titles for Atari 2600. Johnny went with four. I went with three. And Stefan went with two. And I think this is specifically hard because I think some of the most iconic Atari titles are just ports. And being a port doesn't necessarily make me think of it being an iconic Atari title. 
Well, and I'm, I'll come in and just say something about that. So I think with Atari, especially Atari, when it was like trying to bring the arcade to your house, not like when we got Nintendo, which was like, okay, we can bring some of our stuff, but we can also build our own IPs here. Like the Atari was like, I am bringing the arcade to you. And that was the idea. Like, oh my God, you're, you're going to bring me the arcade. So I give that more, like a, I give it a point bump there. Because, yes, they're ports, but like I, I just feel like the Atari was supposed to be a port machine. It was supposed to be representing the idea of how cool it would be to have those things in, in your house. This is our biggest spread, I think, right? I mean, it's, it's one of our biggest spreads in the entire spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, one of the things that I was going to say is, is for iconic titles, one of the things that factored in for me was how many franchises that like were unique to the Atari 2600 or like that the 2600 was really known for are still being produced today like have actually like lived through to today and I off the top of my head couldn't really think of any except for like maybe Pitfall but even then when was the last time a Pitfall game came out so that was really like where where I I docked it the most is that like cuz when I think of like iconic titles obviously let's take Mario for example cuz it's the easiest they're still making fucking Mario games all the time and so like staying power of licenses or staying power of franchises is was really sort of how I judged iconic titles for this yeah, this entire category is just our way of making sure that every Nintendo console beats every other console because everything is more collectible because it's Nintendo because it has Mario, Zelda, and Metroid games on. I mean, but that reflects the the prices of games, right? And what Nintendo's done versus what other systems have done. What do you mean? Well, like on aggregate, Nintendo consoles are more collectible. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That, that that we didn't decide that. That wasn't our choice. I, just, I, know. I know. Yeah, like we we weren't like we are just a bunch of Nintendo stands. So here we go. That I mean, that's just what the prices reflect. So when I thought of iconic Atari twenty six hundred games, the first thing I thought of was Yars Revenge, and then I immediately thought if I told if I asked my mom what is Yars Revenge, would she know? And the answer is no. And then I'm like, no. all right, I guess it's got like adventure and pitfall, and I guess it's fine. If you asked her who was the best dancer at your wedding, she would know, and it would be me. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, let me, I gotta, I gotta put you back in touch with my mom. She's probably missing <laughs> uh, me right now. No, no, you don't. It's on Facebook. He can, he can reach her. I've never been out of touch with your mom. <laughs> Value proposition: If you're buying Atari Twenty Six Hundred games right now, uh, do you think that is a good long-term value at the price they're at? Johnny, you put a two. I put a four, and Stefan put a two. Guys, do you really think Atari 2600 is that bad of a value? I just don't think... I don't know how much more room it has to go up. And I, I think... Yeah, that's where I was there. That it, because we've already hit, like, a peak. We're not talking about what it's done historically. Like, the other categories, it's, like, more of a historical look. This is a right-now kind of view and what how I think the future looks for Atari. And I don't think, you know, it's future so bright it got to wear shades. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I I don't have much to add there, but I agree wholeheartedly with you. Like, if we were if you were talking about like oh the like twenty five cent cartridges that I pack that I picked up you know ten years ago or whatever, um, then yeah, okay, now they're five dollar games, and that's that's a pretty good return on your, my money, I guess. But like now, I just don't uh, it, I don't see a ton of expansion. I think Atari twenty six hundred is probably among the console that. 
people are most likely to collect that they weren't even alive for when it was out. And I guess that's going to expand to like, you know, all the Nintendo consoles when you get into, you know, a 16 year old collecting games. But I think in the future, speaking from like second generation video game consoles, like people are going to ignore everything except for Atari 2600 if they do go back that far. And they won't. Okay. (laughs) No one will ever be interested in video game history. I'm just saying there are people collecting tapes and records, but no one's collecting eight tracks. I'm just. I don't think Atari 2600 is not eight track. Atari 5200 is eight track. That's ColecoVision is eight track. I'm calling you out. ColecoVision sucks. You can book me on that. I do not like ColecoVision. I know people. Yeah, I can't wait till we rate ColecoVision and you throw your ones down. (laughs) ColecoVision has Smurfs though. Smurfs. Oh, Smurfs is great. It's got an ex- acceptable arcade port. Do you want to play this game? It's like 20% as good compared to the Atari one, which is only 10% as good. <laughs> All right. Cost of collecting. Uh, Johnny, you put a five. I put a six. And Stefan put a five. Guys, Atari games are pretty cheap. I think the average Atari game is like 30 bucks. So I think we could all agree it's pretty cheap to collect. Yeah, like fair, fairly inexpensive. Yeah, I think the only the only thing that I that made me not rate it quote unquote higher for this one is that uh, I didn't have as much experience like collecting anything but carts. Like I have a, a scant handful of carts of 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 uh, CIB Atari games, um, but uh, but I, I just I I figured that uh, that CIB would be some factor more expensive than carts which yeah and i want to just throw out sorry stefan but we are only talking about cib stuff there will be a time when we talk about loose atari loose nintendo loose loose super nintendo but that is not this episode we're talking games and boxes for sure but like you know i can't it can't not color my like ability to do this either absolutely uh, I just want to point out a fun fact. I realize that price charting for really, really cheap stuff doesn't mean anything, but for the first time ever, the average Atari game cartridge price is above $10, which is like, they, I mean, there's that's not true. There's definitely still Atari dollar bins or close to it. Uh, in my local store, it's like a $5 bin, but yeah, that's crazy to think that the average is above $10 for games that that's pretty weird. no one wanted for the longest time extendability guys after you complete a set we can't really complete an atari set uh what can you do all right and we all put fives for this and i'm just it's atari has maybe the best homebrew scene of any console ever uh, mm-hmm. which uh i don't think there's a ton to collect if you actually collected every atari game which isn't possible i don't know that there's much to collect besides homebrew i guess like i'm thinking like add on what can you get besides home but the homebrew scene is so good so I'm I'm almost talking myself into bumping it up one. Uh, I I rated this entirely on my experience with Atari Homebrew through the lens of you, Tyler. Oh, um, fantastic! So uh, you you are my exposure vector to Atari Homebrew. I mean, if um, you if you get into one of these Atari groups, you'll see all the Homebrew updates, and like monthly, they'll just be like, "Here's here's a dozen new games we're throwing up on the store," and it's like, how, actually, I, you know what? That's a lie. I did buy. Um, I did buy without your influence before I knew you. Uh, I think uh, the the Halo homebrew. I was gonna say if did. there was one that you bought, I would have guessed it's Halo twenty six hundred. Yeah, it's Halo, and um, I also uh, it wasn't twenty six hundred, but the uh, Flight of the Navigator, or not Flight of the Navigator, um, the other one, um, uh, Last Starfighter. There was a Last Starfighter homebrew that I picked up, but it was. 
an Atari system, but not so much. See, this is what's going to talk me down from putting it to uh, a six is because all this aftermarket stuff, they love doing arcade ports. I don't programmers are just obsessed with putting an 80s arcade port on a console that definitely can't handle it and doing the best job they can. <laughs> but I have no interest in collecting like bootleg arcade ports. So for me, I'm not bumping it up to a six. Johnny, you have anything else for this, or is it just the homebrew, basically? No, I, it's just the homebrew, and I think that's why it's only a five for me, because that's the only thing you can really do. There's nothing to really expand beyond that. I think you, you, it is pretty much what it is. All right. The tilt, the cool factor, the historical significance, anything else. Johnny, you put a... Wait, can we go back for just a second? I have a question for you, Tyler. What? Because uh, I know we, 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 pro- we pretty much factored in other regions, to like a lot of these consoles, as, or at least I did when I was figuring this out, like interesting other regions. Is there a ton of like other region 2600 stuff? Like I, I, I don't honestly know, so I'm asking you. I'm I'm sure there is just because it's so easy to make Atari games, but I don't know. I mean, it's an American it was console. Like, it was I don't even still think going in Brazil for a long time, right? Am I making that up? Probably. I mean, Brazil's console release date was like a little bit later than... Like they had stuff going longer than most places, right? Yeah. But I, I don't know, specifically 2600. I know, I think the last game, the last like game that people would consider a real release before Homebrew starts, I think is Clax, which came out in the UK. I don't know. That's all I got. No, carry on. I was just curious. All right, Tilt. Johnny put a three. I put a four. And Stefan put a three. Guys, we, I just want to say we've been really consistent on most of these ratings for the entire document. I think it's actually kind of interesting. We didn't uh, actually copy each other, for the record. Yes. Like I, I didn't even look at your columns when I did this. I, I think it's interesting because I think if we talk it out, our our opinions sound more divergent than they are, which shows uh, that you know we like to argue over the small things. But when we take a, a more global perspective, we're kind of in line. True. All right. Anything you guys got to say? I think Atari collections are super cool. I think like if I see a shelf of Atari games and you know, like, got like that Atari section with those solid colors and all the third party games have similar boxes. So they all have like their own nice little sections. I think big Atari collections look awesome. Box quality. Some of the cheapest, shittiest boxes ever. Ter- they always look terrible, though, unless you have like beautiful, just just destroyed. Yeah. Because a lot of boxes, the the backs were glued down, so you basically have to destroy the box to open it. And there's just like you can't get like even like an eight out of ten box from a box that uh, that came like that. Yeah, so go. I actually I had this as a one originally. Rude. Um, but then talking to these two, uh, it, I I thought about how how amazing some of the box art is for twenty six hundred because I mean it's everybody knows that that's how the system sold it, sold its games is not on the quality of of the quality or variety of the games it was on the box art so um, there's some phenomenal phenomenal box art um, and that's that's how it got me up to a three from a one. I was going to say, the only thing, and what brings me down from a four to a three is, uh, one, the quality of the boxes, as we talked about, but also some of the inconsistency of the boxes, you know, just like printing all the titles not being the same way. And it's not like a few games, like all of them, all systems have like that one game where you're just like, why is the, why, why is the text backwards on the spine on this one? But Atari, everything is kind of a mess. And I'm just like, okay, I can't, it's too, too much inconsistency in it. Um, The boxes are different sizes. It's great. I know. No, it's awful. <laughs> I do not like. Do not like. Uh, Stefan, you're in the art scene. If you know who has the At- original art for Atari Basic Programming, it's like among my favorite box arts of all time. And mm-hmm. I realize 
they'll probably never get rid of it because it's a first party Atari game, but <laughs> it'll be super cool to have that. And I can't afford it. So why am I even talking about it? All right, guys, after those seven categories, Johnny put Atari at a 24. My totals add up to a 29. And Stefan's, the Atari hater, 22, almost the lowest uh, score that anyone gave any console. Uh, that gives Atari a total of 75. And I guess we should uh, give some ranges here. 21 would be the minimum score and 147 is the maximum. So 75, Atari is... Is that in the middle or is that kind of towards the lower end? That's towards the lower end. <laughs> so, uh, and just to add on what Tyler said, the minimum score that can be given by one of one of us, the scores, is a seven. You know, if we gave something ones across, but uh, 21 would is our group maximum total. Um, so that 21 is the minimum total. 147 is the max total. 49 is the max score an individual can give. Um, let's go. Uh, Stefan, I'll go and let's, let's talk about the NES. Everybody's favorite system to collect for, right? Sevens all across. It's the best console yep. ever, guys. Yep. Woo! Got a 147 done. Um, we all agree. No, uh, game quality, uh, again, really consistent. I've got a four. Tyler's got a five. Stefan, you got a four. Anything yep. you want to say about this? Because uh, uh, Nintendo is pretty good. Ever. I uh, mean, uh, are you guys? Four is average, and I feel like there are enough games where the developers put everything into it and like pushed what they could do with the hardware and knowledge of game design at the time. Like Mike Tyson's Punch Out with his huge sprites and everyone's super emotive is super ahead of his time, and Castlevania Three all the way at the end of the library. It's it's like it. Oh, it's so good. It's like a fucking masterpiece. I don't know. Look. I just feel like, so for me, the, I mean, uh, spoiler alert, uh, I gave a, the SNES a 7 on this. and and But the reason why uh, I, I kind of went lower on NES, it, it does honestly have something to do with, uh, and this is sort of a very personal opinion, but these are all our personal opinions. So um, uh, the, 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 the quality of game and like the quality of storytelling, and I'm, a big, I'm big on storytelling in games, um, it didn't really get there till the SNES, and a lot of that has to do with like the just slightly more memory and like having save batteries and stuff like that. Like those are the kinds of things where I feel like the SNES was where it started to really kind of deliver for me on 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 quality of of games. Like in that in it, from a storytelling perspective, and so that's that's sort of where my four for the S, for the NES kind of uh, came in is like even the stuff that like was really ambitious like like uh final fantasy for instance like i still think the like the, the that that was a huge outlier right as far as like the um the console's ability to tell us to, to, to tell me a story and i think there's you know even though there are those outliers i think there's enough in that franchise that like ends with a winner is you um that uh that um that's where sort of my four came in is just sort of the 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 console's sort of inability to be a really heavy storytelling console stories are for movies johnny move on to game variety okay yeah i basically agree with what stefan said but it was hard i was in between a four and a five because the nintendo did some amazing things the, it, the four is not necessarily a bad score it, especially given the era that it was in. That's like, of the era, very good. Game variety is our next category. Uh, we gave it fours across the board because uh, I think hardware limitations. Do you, Does anyone have anything that they want to go into on uh, on this? I mean, it had great third-party support. The library is fairly diverse. Uh, wh why did we give it fours? You know what? I almost went five on this because of just sort of like the weird shitometer stuff in NES. Like that, it was a that there was a lot of experimentation to be had. Like, 
I don't know. There was also just like a glut of arcade ports. There was a glut of of like side scrolling beat em ups that weren't great. There's a, you know like I, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things that came into my mind because we have third party support listed under game variety and there's great third party support from like Capcom and Konami and you think about it and it's like man like 75% of those games are just side scrollers which is what the NES was built to do the hardware was built to facilitate side scrolling games but there's like entire genres that basically don't exist like horror or rhythms you know stuff that didn't exist at the time and if we're not including Famicom, things like adventure games, Famicom has way more adventure games and visual novels and things like that that weren't really a thing on NES. So I think it could have done better in variety. I, Tyler, those were my exact points because, again, we're looking at this against all other consoles and what they can bring and the hardware is of its time. It's not its fault it didn't bring that necessarily, but it doesn't have it. So there's where my points come off. But Tyler, let's not forget that the uh, first uh, rhythm game is Dance Aerobics for the NES. <laughs> do I? <laughs> Man, do I need to get like a mint Dance Aerobics? Because I want uh, the whole reason. Um, like, I think Parappa the Rapper is cool because it's like the first real rhythm game. Oh, yeah. No, but yeah, you totally do then. Dance yeah. Aerobics. Yeah, you need it. You need Might it. Might be stadium it, no, events. It, it, it 100% is. Do I need? I need to go research the history of rhythm games. That's a good That's a good rabbit hole for me to go down, Step. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there goes Tyler's rest. That's today. what Tyler needs. <laughs> anyway. I love rhythm games, man. Let's uh, let's move on, guys. Uh, iconic titles. Uh, we gave this seven across the board because yeah. it's the Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of all 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 of the lasting fr- sort of kind of like the opposite of my point from the 2600 where none of their franchises are surviving today. Like there are just so many franchises that started on the NES that are still alive and around and making games regularly. It's ridiculous. This is one of only two categories on the entire spreadsheet we gave sevens across the board. Um, yeah, my default when I when I'm talking about like classic Nintendo things, I say Mario, Zelda, Metroid, and all those are just NES games that started on NES. So yes. very clearly, yep. Fi- I mean, Final Fantasy, Castlevania, just so many things are right yeah. here. It, it's I mean, aside from some of the stuff that came from Atari, like just the genesis of uh, like some of the greatest franchises of all times are right here. It's hard to. It's hard to dispute it. And it's not like it's competing. It's not like the PS2 era where it's like, oh, what's going on on the Xbox and like on, on the Nintendo GameCube? It's just all right here. It's amazing. Also, mascots is something that we put in this category. And yeah. like the, there is a mascot on this console that has the same amount of brand recognition worldwide as Mickey Mouse, as Coke, right? Like Mario is synonymous with those brands. Mario uh, has a and, land in a theme park. Okay, guys? Yeah, Here we exactly. Go. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I would have given this more than seven if I could. Yeah. All right. So, I think everyone should understand that. And if you want to argue that, I mean, feel free to hit me up. Value proposition. Uh, if, are we getting our money back out when we put it in, guys? Uh, six for me, six for Tyler, and a seven for Stefan. Yep. All pretty close. But I, I think the Nintendo was kind of... I'm not going to say it's capped out, but I, I think... Due to the heavy investing scene, especially around the Nintendo, I think it has kind of retracted that a little bit. And I don't know how much there is to get. And I, I'm wary about investment quality stuff. So I'm just trying to think about CIB games, not investment stuff. So I couldn't quite give it to seven. Yeah, I specifically didn't consider 
uh, sealed graded because that market is so volatile and because, you know, you just never know. Like, if you put something on a specific auction house versus, a uh, you know, one auction house versus another, you might get a, a, a difference of, you know, Ten to fifty thousand dollars difference in the in the hammer price just because you put it in the wrong place. So like I can like like that that is so volatile. I didn't even consider it when I was when I was. Yeah, I didn't consider game. anything sealed either. Um, yeah, the only reason I, I didn't I, put I think NES. You know, maybe it will be the most collectible console forever, just in general, just because it's the first Nintendo console that came out in America. See iconic title scores. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only reason I didn't go with seven is that I do think for the time we're in that maybe some complete box games are a little frothy and maybe don't have the ultimate long term value. And I've discussed this before, like Little Samson, I think tremendous NES game. I think it's a classic I also think if you're spending $6,000 on a complete box of Little Samson, I don't know that anyone's going to care about Little Samson in 20 years. Okay. Uh, let's, let's move on. Cost of collecting. Uh, is this expensive? Cost per game. Set killers. Hey, uh, the the prime example of a set killer is here in Stadium Events. So mm. let's talk about our scores. I gave it a three. Tyler gave it a three. Stefan gave it a two, uh, meaning it's expensive. Pretty expensive. Stefan says it's more than pretty expensive. It's very expensive. Very expensive. Um, and honestly, what what got me over the line on there, over the line on there, was a stadium events, but also uh, the black box titles and like the even even not in not sealed condition, like how ridiculous they've gotten in the last two years. Um, that uh, that put me from a three to a two. Um, honestly, I could like if we were scoring this, uh, we we decided early on that this was a rating and not a ranking. And if it were a ranking, then this would have been a one for me. Fair. Okay. Uh, Tower, you got anything you want to defend your three? Are you good there? Like I, I could even see myself putting it as a two, but I, I felt like three is more indicative of the. I feel like two system. gets into the the category where it's like it's so expensive that I don't want to collect it just because of the price, but like. I mean, stuff hurts to buy an NES sometimes, but also kind of you're getting an NES seven out of seven iconic game out of it a lot of the time. So exactly. I don't think it hurts that much. My calculus was the same there. Like the really the iconic titles and the value proposition uh, factor into the cost of collecting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Extendability. Wow, that's weird. Okay. So uh, we all gave this sevens across the board because man you sure can collect nintendo any way you want to and keep going forever it seems like yeah i you mean, know not you know not just homebrews but just like like this is when i started to think about like other regions because it's not just like does another region exist but like do i see people is the same th- kind of the same thing with with um uh uh was it saturn did i did i miss you saturn anyway um but uh, like, it's like, do I see people going into that or other region? Like that definitely factored into it. Like people love their fucking Euro NES games, um, you know, and, and they're obviously they're super Famicom games or they're Famicom games rather. Um, so, but like also like the disc, the, the disc system and, and there's just like so, so much, so much stuff, so much stuff with the NES. I mean, and people, I mean, it's people have the weird screw collections and people go crazier on variants than any other system and people have more test stuff than any other system. Yeah. Yeah. If you collected one console uh, forever, NES would be the console to do it because you would never, ever be finished. 
Yeah. You couldn't even keep up with all the freaking Kickstarters that come out because there's so many new NES games these days. <laughs> Would you say there's a... Is, how is the homebrew scene, since you're sort of plugged into both of them, Tyler, how is the homebrew scene when compared to the 2600? I'm not plugged in enough to the 2600 scene. I mean, 2600 games are a lot smaller, so I think they're easier to make. And also there's the factor that NES Maker came out a couple years ago, and now there mm. are a lot of NES homebrews coming on like mm-hmm. platforms like Kickstarter. There's probably still more Atari 2600 games just because they're smaller games, but the amount of bigger NES games, not even like big NES games, just like decent size, just like a regular puzzle game, a regular platformer. It's just like, it's crazy how many NES games still come out. All right. So let's uh, let's go to the tilt factor, the coolness. How cool? What are the other historical sif- significance of this? Um, this is one where we diverge a little bit and I, I might be wrong here. So you guys will have to tell me my score is a five. You guys gave it sixes. What, what brings it down to a five? Like I, I almost put a seven, I think. Okay. So yes, I agree on the historical significance. Um, hardware issues kind of, yes, you can fix it and you can add pins, but uh, if we're just talking out of the box, like you do get like blinky and like, you know, the blowing in the cart, the whole, like my, one of my perspectives was always as a kid trying to make the goddamn Nintendo work the whole time. Were you blowing in it? Were you just barely cresting that edge as you pushed it down? Were your springs broken? Did you have to have pins replaced later? So that I, I also, the controller is good, but not great. Gets a little, those, those squared edges. Um, also box quality is another area I dinged it. While the boxes I think are generally okay, the minute you take that, styrofoam piece out the whole boxes fall apart and you get like weird stuff the tabs rip off pretty easily so i I dinged it here like i really could have pushed it at a six i I was wavering so am i wrong am i wrong with five should it have been a six no the reason i think the biggest reason it's not a seven for me is that i think stuff in the boxes with all the shit that's supposed to be in there is such a pain in the ass that i never want to take I never want to open my NES games that are complete <laughs> box, especially if they have the baggie. It's just, it doesn't fit. It's so hard to refit a game back together with the baggie and like not do any damage, not tear anything, not have it bowing out. I just hate touching my NES games. So uh, yeah, it's not getting a seven for me. My six, I think came mostly from like the nostalgia factor for me, which I also kind of put in here and just like how, like when I, like when I look at a pile of fucking NES games, that's like my childhood. Like, and that's cool. Um, so that's like, um, that's uh, that's where most of my that's that's why I got a six over a five for me. The Nintendo got a very commanding score. Got 111 points total. I gave it a 36, and that's out of a maximum of 49. Tyler has it at 38. Stefan has 37. All of our cl- scores are super close. We're within two points of each other at the lowest. So um, let's move on to the next console. Stefan, take it away with Super Nintendo. Nintendo. I'm actually surprised you gave me Super Nintendo, Johnny. I thought you were going to take that for yourself. But uh, Super Nintendo, by a damn sight, uh, the favorite console of Johnny and I. Uh, So let's start out, gentlemen, with game quality for the Super Nintendo. We gave it sevens across the board. Johnny, I'm going to go to you first to discuss. Uh, well, again, and a lot of this, I think, is some of my bias. And I, to be fair, I don't know if on a couple of these categories, I can be objective. Uh, too much, too much wrapped up into the Super Nintendo. I love the games. It, it like it has 
It has RPGs, it has shooters, it's got fighters. I mean, yeah, it lacks on some of the visual novels. It, it I can see where it lacks on some, uh, but also the games, when they're good, they're amazing. If you think about what was good about the Nintendo and the best games from Nintendo, when they be, for the most part, well, I'm looking at you, Ninja Gun, when they got ported over to the Super Nintendo, they became better versions of what already existed. Like Mario went to Mario World, Zelda to Link to the Past. It was just like these incredible leaps. Games that I thought couldn't be made better were suddenly better. That, for me, is always going to be the factor. And I've never felt that way about any other system since. It's been like, oh yeah, it like upgraded. But I felt like the leap was so significant and astounding to me. But also, that has a lot wrapped up into, you know, what my life was at the time and what I, how I was viewing that system, uh, you know, which was kind of like... You know, my holy grail as a child, like I, I went, it was a whole journey for me to get the damn thing. So I've got too much invested emotionally. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, the whole upgrading 8-bit to 16-bit, like Metroid to Super Metroid is is a big step. It's not a whole brand new concept. The game innovation thing we put in the next category of game variety. So, I mean, the game quality, games like Super Metroid and Yoshi's Island are just ridiculously well-made games. I mean, 7 out of 7 for game quality. Almost everyone in the universe is going to agree with that. Yeah, I, I think for me, what got it the 7 over anything lower was, like, not not only are the highs incredibly incredibly high on the super nintendo but i also feel generally i'm generalizing very heavily here like the lows like the absolute bottom of the barrel super nintendo experience is not as bad by a long shot as the bottom of the barrel of the nes for instance like i just i feel like even the bad is still all right like snes games are like pizza like even the terrible pizzas it's still pizza um go so that's, play that's, d-force it's a 2d shooter it's worse than the worst nes shooter you'll ever find is that the one with the um the the soundtrack with the um oh god it was uh, too limited is that the there's there's a shooter on the nes or the snes that that probably that not has that. i can't even remember the soundtrack because the audio clips constantly because the game is so poorly made oh god see rap jam <laughs> No, Rap Jam, one of the most collectible uh, Super Nintendo games. I heard that there was a, a 10 out of 10 Super copy that sold for like tens of thousands yeah. of dollars. <laughs> so it's so amazing. I also love that it's called Volume 1. The audacity of calling <laughs> that game Volume 1 is just chef's kiss the best. I, like, <laughs> I like, like the cheek factor of that game wins it a lot of points for me. But, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's move on. I think we've said enough about that. Gentlemen, moving on to game variety, Johnny gave it a six. Tyler gave it a five. I gave it a five. Tyler, why not a six? I don't know. Like, there's genres that aren't amazing on the SNES. So SNES has shooters, but I wouldn't call it like a great shooter console. I mean, it doesn't have like Western style RPGs. There's some genres I think are a little lacking. I don't think it's terrible. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I was at. I don't have anything to add to to Tyler here, but uh, but Johnny did give it a six, and we gave it five. So Johnny, what uh, uh, you know, what got one over? Again, I may have been my rose colored glasses here. Um, yeah, I'm thinking maybe it should have been a five. Like I, we've talked about maybe the, maybe the variety isn't quite there. Peer pressure, uh, yeah, change I, it. Change well, it. No, I'm still like no, a good score. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, five is a great score. I, I am gonna I am gonna go down to a five. Woo! I'm All gonna right, five's I'm across the Yeah, Woo. no, I just I was thinking about like rhythm games not being involved and like mm. there's not a lot of gun games on there, right? Like the light shooter was more of a thing on the NES than it was on the Super Nintendo, so we kinda lost a little bit there. And so We got the Super you know, Scope though, but then like I think the Super That's not real. Scope the Super's cool. Super Scope could have, should have been cool, but instead it, it like makes the Super Nintendo worse rather than better. Honestly though, like Battle Clash is like I really enjoyed Battle Clash. I mean, that's fine, but I think it's like net negative, not net positive. No, I agree. Because you bought like a this hulking thing and then didn't get to do much with it. And the zapper, like, yeah, it kind of fell off, especially later in the console, but the zapper is still cool. Um, and the super scope is less so. And the zapper, you can tuck away in a drawer, and the super scope, you have to like stack in a corner and it's cumbersome and stupid. Also, that trigger on the zapper, that, that cha-ching. Click. That, that's, that, oh yeah, man, spring, it feels yeah. so good. So, Satisfying. Feel, feels and sounds really good. Uh, all right, iconic titles. Uh, we gave, so Johnny gave it a six, uh, Tyler gave it a seven, and I also gave it a six. Um, I'll start with me this time. I think the, 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 the biggest thing, and again, I'm going to keep going back to like core franchises on the platforms, um, is that like a lot of, yes, there are like many, many, many iconic titles, um on on the snes but like a lot of those big franchises were carried over from its big its older brother the nes so that's sort of what kept it out of seven for me um is just that you know there a lot of the iconic titles on the snes are franchises that were carried over from the previous generation does not matter super metroid is arguably more iconic than metroid in fact i would say it's definitely more iconic than metroid (laughs) yeah i don't know if i agree with that yeah. Yeah. Like, but Mar- is Mario more iconic on the Nintendo or on the Super Nintendo? You see, the fact that that's a debatable question means that I'm, there's no way I'm changing my score from a seven out of seven. I think it's more iconic I, on well, the NES. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I let's well, see. I don't think that's debatable. I think Mario is oh, like one hundred one hundred percent locked into the NES, and like may even be more iconic on the N sixty four, which is wrong. But I, Oof. you know. Ooh, that's All a right, hot let, take. let me just go over some some things that aren't sequels, like, like Chrono Trigger, Donkey Kong Country, F Zero, Star Fox, Secret of Mana is technically a sequel, but no one cares. Uh, Mega Man X, technically a new franchise. Turtles in Time is a sequel, but no one cares. It's still iconic. Earthbound, technically a sequel. NBA Jam, Street Fighter Two, Mortal Kombat Two, Harvest Moon, Pilot Wings. We're not going to talk about that. Super Mario Kart, the start of Nintendo's most popular franchise. The Super Star Wars series. Really, you guys aren't going seven out of seven on Super Nintendo when the SNES Classic came out. I'm like, oh my god, they did it. They put all the best games into one thing. They didn't like cheap out on anything. So, but so, are you saying that the SNES, the there is a equal amount or or equal quality of iconic Super Nintendo games as there are iconic Nintendo games? Yes, one hundred percent. Even the sequels, even like Final Fantasy three, is a game people think about as much as Final Fantasy. I think, and then maybe even more than Final Fantasy, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, Tyler, I'm like buying your argument, but I'm also I'm also with Stefan on his that like it got to borrow from what the Nintendo already had established. Yeah, so so like like it's not that it isn't amazing. It yeah. just like already had built in. So I you know, 
I, I have to think about it. All right, I'm I'm sticking to my six, but I, I I'm not saying a seven is wrong. Part of it is that if you ask people what their favorite Metro game, what their favorite Zelda game, and what their favorite Mario game is, I bet the the most the one that people think is their favorite is on SNES most of the time. Well, not Mario. I'm telling you, N64 Mario is oh, going to get right. way too many votes. And that kings it for me N64 right there. N64 people, even I think Super Mario 64 is better, but still. Yeah, no, Super Mario World, I think, is an amazing game. And it's not the same style as uh, Mario 64. And yeah, Mario World is amazing. I think it's better than Mario 3. Oh, yeah. Hands down. All right, let's keep going. I, we're not really that yeah. far off on this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we had some unique arguments, so I'm, I was down with it. Sure. Uh, value proposition, uh, Johnny gave it a five, and both Tyler and I gave it a six. Going back to you to start, Johnny. Well, the, the only reason I'm, I'm a little leery right now about where box Super Nintendo games are and the quality of the boxes that are available. So if you had to go in, and again, thinking in this moment, and you had to go buy I don't think you're getting the best stuff. If you're waiting and you might be paying high because I don't know what's going on in the Super Nintendo market. It feels like hoarding is still happening. So yes, if you get a nice copy, like and one of these iconic titles, because it has so many iconic titles, like it's hard to lose in that sense, especially given a long enough time frame. But also I'm just skeptical of what the market is right now for Super Nintendo. If you were buying today, my score is a five. Tyler? I mean, that makes sense. I would just say if I was going to pick a golden age of Nintendo, it's NES, Game Boy and Super Nintendo. I think that will always kind of be the case. And because the quality of the games is so high, I think people will play them forever um, or at least be historically interested in them. So even as expensive as they are, you know, I think if you buy Super Metroid, even if it's a couple hundred bucks, it's you're probably going to be fine. It's, I don't see Super Metroid going down in price. I don't see Super Mario World going down in price unless there's some huge bubble on that. Mario, uh, Super Mario World is insane right now. I know Did you that's see insane it? right now. That's probably like, what, a thousand dollars? Oh, we love to do predictions. I'm just going to go back to the things. When we told you to go buy Super Mario World right then and there, you should yeah. listen to us. Should have listened to us. Earthbound has gotten ridiculous as well. Mario World's like complete box. They were selling over $1,000. I don't know what is going on. That's crazy. It's not even the first print, Johnny. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, the the thing that actually kept it out of the seven, because the two things that, that, you know, are really kind of weighed heavily in this this category is the long-term value, but then also potential to grow. And while I think there is long-term value in Super Nintendo, I am less sure about the potential to grow on a lot of these titles. So that's sort of where I'm at. Like, I think if you, if you bought in now, you're fine, but like, I don't know how, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to 10 X your money anymore. I don't think you should grab that as a quote and quote me in five years. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll let you know when uh, Super Mario World is a $10,000 complete in box game. Uh, yeah. my, my new prediction is go buy Super Mario World 2. Not enough people love or talk about this game and uh, it's still undervalued. I think there's like a still a pretty decent pe- amount of people who don't actually know that it's Super Mario World 2. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I think... I mean, just the price disparity in the two games, I, I think is too high. And I think it will start to go up as people look at more into Mario World. So 
All right, Johnny. Johnny, I'm going to say it. Uh, my my pick on Super Nintendo still Super Mario World. It is. It's got to be one of the only major, major ten out of ten A plus plus. I'm sound like I'm describing a Wada game, but it's like a keystone, like ultimate Nintendo title. It actually has built in scarcity because it was technically released like two years into the SNES lifespan in like this weird complete in box thing. And there's there's no other like Mario, Zelda, Metroid, major Nintendo game that has something like that. So it's always going to be one of the rarest key Nintendo games, I think. I look, we we both went into how important uh, buying Super Mario. I'm just saying like right now, value proposition, go buy Mario World, too. I think it's got room to go up, up. All right. Well, uh, we'll come back at some time in the future and we'll see how red I am because no one cares about Super Mario World, too, even though like. I'm not going to say it's the better game, but man, it's complex. It is such a good game. It's better. It's better than the cover would tell you it is. Okay, guys. <laughs> That's right. All right. Speaking of going up, uh, cost of collecting. Uh, Johnny gave it a three. Tyler gave it a two. I also gave it a three. Tyler, why a two? Uh, Johnny said it before. Nice, complete and box Super Nintendo games are hard to find, and they are incredibly expensive. I think even getting like a pretty nice super nintendo complete box is super expensive maybe one of my least favorite things to buy would be a nice super nintendo game so two also those black boxes take dings so bad and like all color break show because of the black Ugh. yeah and uh, not to mention the like majesco releases like all the other like those those are real real gross um oh no we're talking about collectible video games here Stefan. oh to be clear isn't uh, Chrono Trigger a... Anyway. Um, it's not Majesco. It's just made in Mexico. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, I think the only... Honestly, the only reason why this got a three instead of a two is because I gave a two to the NES and I just felt like the NES was at least some margin more expensive than the SNES. Um, that was really my only reasoning why I gave it a three. Uh, Johnny? Uh, I just... I just don't think it's crossed the Nintendo threshold. I think it's very expensive. Um, conditional rarity, it's hard because we're not really factoring conditional rarity, I think, enough, especially in consoles like the NES and SNES, because then it goes crazy. So I was taking a flat aggregate and just saying a three. But if you factored into if you want nice Super Nintendo games, it's like two pushing a one. Yeah, I, I have. I actually put Super Nintendo worse than Nintendo because when I think of like the best RPGs, I'm thinking Chrono Trigger and Earthbound, and those are many hundreds of dollars. What does a Final Fantasy cost on NES? What does a Crystalis cost in NES? There are genres I think that Super Nintendo is worse than Nintendo if you're buying like the best iconic stuff. True, I think that's fair. But again, again, if you if you start to like weigh the conditional rarity and like what people are doing in Nintendo, like buying it for investment purposes, that's why I have Nintendo. Uh, I guess getting I mean, a I worse guess score. Part of mine is also like I don't care about the black box games, so I, that factors lower into the cost of collecting for me because I'm just not buying black box games. Could not care uh, less if I had a wild gunman. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of people that are going to collect will care about those, and they're going to be fighting against people who've already designated those titles as investor titles, and I think the Super Nintendo has that, but to a lesser degree. Mm -hmm. That's why the difference in my score. All right, moving on to extendability. I actually ninja-changed this while we were talking about cost of collecting. Um, I am now giving it a four. 
uh, in Super Nintendo. Uh, Johnny gave it a three. Tyler gave it a two. Uh, the reason why I gave it a four was I actually like physically turned my head to look at my game room and saw all the just like weird shit that we have for the SNES to collect. And because so the the thing that could have weighed it down is the lack of of like a quote unquote official um, you know uh, bootleg and you know um, things like uh, no Super Noah's Ark and stuff like that. There's like there's only a couple things for the for the SNES, but um, but there's just like there's like cool competition carts and there's like gigantic big box european games and and like if you want like there's a shitload of super nintendo fan translation carts if that's your thing and it might not be your thing if you're tyler but like we're talking about collectible games here there's a there's a there's a, a you can collect them tyler uh, there's a, so there's a, a, a decent, and certainly like Super Famicom is strong from a collectability standpoint. Like especially like if we're talking about like better box art, hands down, like the Super Famicom almost always has better, uh, better box art than its U.S. counterpart. So, um, and honestly, I think the, the form factor of those boxes are actually cooler. Um, so like, the, so, uh, there, there are people, there are a lot of Super Nintendo collectors who go pretty deep into Super Famicom. So, uh, so that's why I got a four from me, uh, Johnny. I I'm only digging it just because I think there the realm in which you can collect is really just there's no like unlicensed. I think the homebrew scene is a little light. Yes, there are a bunch of fan translations that you can get, and there's like cool stuff like that you can go find that's that's custom to the Super Nintendo. I just think it's uh kind of limited to where it is. Not that there isn't cool stuff, not that you can't go deep in other regions, because I I am, but I also know I like I'm fairly biased, so I was trying to trying to get to some objectivity saying, well, you can only really do too much, and there isn't like a lot of hardware variants you can buy. There's not like cool controllers. So I just like there isn't too much extra. Yeah, you can get the stickers on the box and the Super Nintendo Mini, but there's not that much, and they're not that interesting. So that's why I brought it down a little bit. I'm thinking about raising mine from a two to a three. I totally forgot about the competition carts uh, and like Max and stuff. Yeah, but, like, they're cool. Uh, I mean, cool they're stuff. cool. All right, all right. I'll go up to a three, which you know isn't like the best rating ever, but I do. Yeah, those are cool, but like I, there's not a lot of Super Nintendo homebrew compared to most other things, and Super Famicom, like I consider that its own thing. I, you know, I know we're supposed to be counting the other region games, but I'm just kind of not as much, um, and I don't think a ton of Super Nintendo collectors finish their set and then go explore Super Famicom. What I see probably ninety percent more often is people go get. Super Mario World and Super Metroid and just all the the same iconic games just from the Japanese region, either because they're cheaper or they like the box art or whatever. Yep, you can still buy Mario World uh, cheap. That's yeah, generally what I do. Like I have like all my favorite games, like the Lost Vikings bo- box art for Super Famicom. By the way, is bananas. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 that's like one of my, that's like my convention buy. I know, I know this group knows, but, but, uh, like that's the, I buy Super Famicom games exclusively at conventions just so I have something to do. Um, and, uh, because I'm a fat cat and I, uh, you could get them from Red the Game Shark at cheaper prices, Stefan. Red the Game Shark, hit him up on the Instagram, tell him what Super Famicom games you want. He probably could go visit him at your local convention. And remember, you get those games cheap. Yeah, another reason why I felt like I needed to uh, change this is that uh, on the overall ratings, I was rating PS2 
at the same rating as Super Nintendo, and that felt bad to me. So, wow, well, you're gonna get so some rather than lower that. the PS2 score, you raise the SNES score. Hmm. Yeah, I like I like the logic. Let's move on. All right, uh, going to tilt. Uh, bring us home, Johnny. Uh, you gave it a six. Tyler gave it a six. I gave it a seven. I think for all the reasons why I didn't give it pretty uh, like the six in um, in iconic titles is kind of where I'm getting. Like, yes, it's historically significant, but the Nintendo was there first. It's kind of the box quality. I give it a little better. It's very cool. Not a lot of. Sp- Special editions are good controllers. No hardware issues, though, really. The Super Nintendo is a tank. Uh, yeah, it's just like, again, it, it's a six. It's a great score. I just think because it gets to borrow the, a lot of the cool factor from the Super Nintendo that it, it loses out a little bit. But man, the Super Nintendo controller, one of the best controllers ever made. What a what a breath of fresh air it is. Like, And I this doesn't have to do with the category scoring, but you move from two to six buttons in a more comfortable form factor, but keeping it roughly the same size. Uh, a revelation. What a joy. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, I'm a six just because it's basically, it's not as cool as NES, and it's not as historically significant as NES, but basically everything else about it is the coolest thing to collect. So six. Yep. Fuck you both. It's way cooler. Uh, I, I I love the SNES so much. I, I paint the room I'm sitting in is painted in 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 uh, SNES colors on purpose. Um, I think that the, the, look, the console is gorgeous. I think while yes, the uh, quality of boxes suffers, um, the the um, the form factor and the general look and especially the look when they're all piled together. Uh, in mass on your wall, like uniformity is pretty good compared to a lot of the other consoles, right? I think there's a, a, a very scant handful that are not the same, uh, that are not the same uh, form factor or rather design, so that uh, you know you don't have to, you don't have to worry about what color side the spine is, and you don't have to worry about separating black box from red box, and you know all that shit you have to worry about for all these other consoles. Um, uniformity is pretty pretty good. On the SNES, um, and uh, I even, you know, I even like the cartridge. It's good stuff. Real good. Yeah, it, it, it's real good. Uh, the form factor you're talking about. There's only the couple of big box games: Earthbound, like Bom- Bomberman Party Edition, Mario Party, Super Game Boy Lethal Enforcers, and then uh, the only off-color game really is there's two. Uh, is it like Riddick Bow and uh, Final, Final Fight, Fight Guy? Yeah, Guy. Yeah, Final Fight Guy. Is it Riddick Bow the one that doesn't have the logo on the side? Uh, no, it, it's kind of on the side. It's just it's got a white bar in the middle of it, so it disrupts like that all black mm-hmm. side panel. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, does... Maximum Carnage? Question mark. Is that a red box? No, I don't think no. so. But black. it would be black an cartridge. extendable fun thing to collect. Yeah, red cartridge it, and the QVC one is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, wrap us up. What what, what are our totals there? Our totals uh, for the SNES just uh, just under a hair under the NES at 109. It feels wrong, Johnny, with both of us in here being being uh, SNES stands. I, I feel like I feel like it should be number Johnny one. Johnny rated it lower than the NES. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, 100 109 total. Johnny bringing in at uh, 35 of a maximum 49. Uh, Tyler a 36. And me a thirty-eight. Wow! Can you believe I Tyler the Super likes Nintendo? the Super Nintendo more than you? 
I, I, I feel am like uncomfortable I'm with this. I feel you, like I made a mistake somewhere. Something. The math is wrong, Johnny. The math is wrong. Man, what did I do? <laughs> I don't. How? How is this possible? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You heard it here. Super Nintendo sucks, according to Johnny Ayuchi. Let's move on to oh. the Sega Genesis. <laughs> wow, that is weird. That I read. It is fucking weird. <laughs> Did I did I overcorrect? I think I was scoring and feeling like I was going too hard at mm. like good scores, and then like maybe course corrected too hard the other way. Where's your real low ones? Um, value, value proposition. proposition. And I mean, it's, it's only one. Or, it's uh, only yeah, one point. Position. Like, there's. It's still my highest rated two consoles, thirty six and thirty five. Like, yeah, I was I was a harder grader than you guys were. Cost of collecting and extendability. You are pretty low. I mean, so are we, but... Yeah, like, let's see. I'm, I'm curious what our overall... Yeah, I, re- I gave the lowest total on this on average out of everybody. By, by a lot. Yeah. That, that's interesting, right? That I gave it the lowest, mm-hmm. lowest total. It's because you're cynical. You have a cold heart. I, I, I'm not cynical. I, I tend to be an opt. <laughs> I, I'm pragmatic, but I usually tend to lean into optimism. Like people don't believe that, but I'm like, I'm always the guy who's like, I think we can find a better way. Like we're gonna get a good outcome. Don't worry. I'm also the guy who says everything is shit, but I'm also the guy who says we can make it better. We wrapped Game up the quality totals. for the Sega Genesis. Johnny, you gave it a five. I gave it a five, and Stefan gave it a six. Huge Sega Genesis fan, Stefan. Um, I am a Sega Genesis Stephen fan. Stefan, defend your six. Genesis does. Um, look, man, I just think that they've got some some really, really, look, Aladdin for the Genesis. Um, you know, the, the I, I love the a lot of the, the shooters on that platform. Um, you know, some great side scroll. It's just, it's, it's got, it's got some really, like the, the, the top of the Genesis is, is, is good. And even like places where it's weak, like RPGs, like they still have a couple really great RPGs. So like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like even the, even the underrepresented category is like, what's there is, is, is good. I'm changing my score to a four. (laughs) I was, I was (laughs) thinking about changing my score to a four after that too. Yeah. Um, oh, you actually I, are. Whoa. All right. Johnny, why are you changing your score to a four? I, I had it at five, but I after just kind of going through it, I was like, you know what? There like there are too many games that feel the same on the Genesis to me, or just games that look so and th- this isn't fair necessarily, but I just look, I'm like, I have no interest in playing you. Nothing about this or the box or anything is making me want to play. Also, the three button controller to start out with is an abomination. And when I thought of that and I thought about what that did to the quality of the games, I had to get lower at a point. Toe Jam and Earl's a roguelike, man. That's all I got to say. I just, Toe Jam and Earl, absolutely a roguelike. I'm lowering mine to a four, <laughs> too. I don't think Genesis games are bad. But I'm looking through some Sega Genesis games, and I'm just like, oh, Sonic 2. I like Super Mario World better than Sonic 2. Oh, Shinobi. I like Ninja Gaiden better than Shinobi. And there's all these games where I'm like, oh, this is good, but I like what Nintendo has more. Like, Castlevania Bloodlines is a great game. I like, like, probably four Castlevania games on Nintendo platforms more than Bloodlines. Well, like, Contra Hardcore, great game. I still like Contra and Super C better than Contra. And Contra 3. I like three Contra games better than Contra Hardcore. Uh, I mean, but I think it still works for me. Like, considering I gave you know the Super Nintendo seven, and like, I, yes, Genesis games are good, but I'd rather play Super Nintendo stuff. But I'd much rather play most Genesis stuff than NES stuff. Sorry. I, look, 
Genesis is still like amazing. I know it sounds harsh, but like Genesis is still an amazing console, but I just, yeah, I'm comfortable with my four. Even if you put uh, four for the NES as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little biased here for my personal preference of I like the 8-bit style a whole lot more than the 16-bit style. I think just 16-bit stuff has the sprites are too big, man. You just gotta, you gotta trim those sprites down. There's no such thing as too big sprites. Get, get rid of the, the only game that I like that has big sprites is Punch Out. That's it. I think it's amazing how big the sprites are in Punch Out. Every other game, give me a nice little tiny guy with a small hitbox. That's what I want. Yep, that's why the Neo Geo is so amazing. All right, gigantic ass sprites. Game variety, guys. Uh, everyone gave this a four. Stefan, defend your four. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, I think, I think, uh, Johnny actually brought this up in game quality. There's a whole lot of sameness on, uh, on Genesis. Johnny, you want to lower this to a three then? No, I think four is still fine. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to raise, do you want to raise game variety to a five? No. Um, so, uh, yeah, man. I mean, like I said, quality is good. I'm happy with my six in game quality, but, uh, but there's a lot of games that are, uh, a real samey, except for Toe Jam and Earl. Stands, on, stands alone. Toe Jam and Earl stands alone. Toe Jam and Earl is great, but it, it does not a whole console make. And the Genesis has, has a large library of games, over 700 of them. And uh, the variety for 700 games just feels a little bit lacking. Yep, I agree. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm kind of there with you. I think... Uh, everything I think of on Genesis that I want to play feels really arcadey, feels like a really single session game. I can't think of a lot of games that have like a save battery that I'd want to play on a Sega Genesis. And as a kid, I owned nothing. I don't think I owned a single game that had a save battery. They were all just like single session arcade style games. Yeah, honestly, I can't even think off the top of my head a of a Genesis game with a save battery. Yeah, I'm sure right? there's I'm sure uh, there are. I think that limits its its appeal to certain players. Iconic titles. Uh, Johnny gave it a four. I gave it a four. Stefan gave it a five. Again, Stefan overrating the Sega Genesis. Stefan, defend your five. Motherfucking Sonic the Hedgehog. Like I don't know. Like I don't know what you want. That 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 that, that Sonic is what what put it. Like they're making movies this year <laughs> of Sonic. Um, that are actually pretty decent movies. There's better there's Sonic movies than Mario movies. Uh, yeah, that's right. There sure are. I, oh um, man, I wish I I had seen the Sonic movies to debate that because I love the Super Mario Brothers movie. That doesn't mean you're right. Uh, Sonic is also appearing in not Sonic movies this year. Oh uh, my god, it's so good! In Rescue Rangers. Yep, yep. I wasn't gonna so I wasn't gonna spoil it, Johnny. I don't know uh, if that was a spoiler or not. Oh god, it was so good! I laughed so Fuck, hard. It's so good. Fuck. Oh. It's I so just watched. I watched it Rescue this afternoon. Okay, all right. Hold on. I'm only 30 minutes in, and I had to stop because I had to work with Tyler. But okay, so just one thing I want to say about Rescue Rangers because I fucking love it. But but so Rescue Rangers, not at all the movie that I like originally wanted. In like, if you were like, "Hey, Stefan, what do you want a Rescue Rangers movie to be like?" This is not at all what I would have never arrived at what we have been delivered. But like, Rescue Rangers is a gift from God. Um, I, I I can't sp- I can't speak to the so overall, but the the Sonic scene was so I was not prepared. I was not prepared for what happened to me. I laughed. <laughs> I, I'm not usually like so an good. out loud. I'm not an out loud laugher at movies. Like I'm normally like a small chuckle smile kind of guy. But I I had to pause the movie. Carly 
Carly thought it was delightful how much that scene got me. I have like a mad respect, you know, especially working in the games industry. I have a mad respect for like the pain in the ass that was the licensing for this movie. There's so much like shit that like isn't owned by Disney, for instance, that is just in this movie. It's so crazy. So good. I I wonder if they were just leveraging the stuff they had got from Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I don't know. So good, though. God. Uh, yeah, I haven't completed it yet, but yeah, that scene that that's a that's a top tier scene. That was really just <laughs> the the lean in was so good. It's all set, all right? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Tyler. I know we totally derailed that. Oh, it's fine. Um, let me talk about why Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't make the Sega Genesis a five. It's because it's one franchise. And let me talk about like the twelve games that I said just like Terrible. out of nowhere on the Super Nintendo. And when you think of Genesis, you're like, oh yeah, Sonic. And then it's like, and like I guess I don't know, Shinobi three. I guess. <laughs> I'm like F117. Right, yeah. I mean, like there are obviously, I mean, Vector Man. I mean, there are very Sega Genesis Sega Genesis games. I mean, yeah. I just think that there are consoles that have clearly more identity I, than it. You know, what? I agree with you. I don't you think it's low. I, I just think it's in the middle. You know I, what? Based I on this conversation, it. I'm not lowering my Genesis score. I'm raising my Super Nintendo score. <laughs> Yeah, all right, we did something. He's going up from a six to a seven on Super oh, Nintendo. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. All right, uh, value proposition for Sega Genesis. Johnny has it at a four. Me and Stefan put it at a five. Johnny, defend your five, Tyler. Defend my five. I'm, I'm controlling this conversation, Stefan. Johnny, defend your four. Uh, I don't think people care enough. I think some of the nice stuff has room to grow. Uh, the the curated stuff from Genesis always kind of moves up, but the the trash or the stuff that people don't care about, even though they should, because there's a lot of interesting titles on Genesis that don't get a lot of respect, they just aren't there. It, like, the four is actually propped up by some of the bigger titles, and I'm not even calling them iconic titles, just bigger titles. Um, and I, I think in the end, I don't know how much people care about it. Again, all the Sonic games didn't carry their weight into future consoles. Those aren't great games. They're like Sonic didn't become a key franchise and thus raised the Sonic games. Not a lot of key franchises carried on to other systems to like make people have interest in going back and exploring those Genesis titles. There's just not enough carry through. I think that some of the best games on the Genesis probably aren't crazy expensive. Things like Toe Jam and Earl, things like Sonic 1 through 3. Uh, to the point where you should probably, if you don't have Sonic 1 and 2 and 3 and Knuckles, like, just buy it now. Um, but also, I think that literally if Sega's entire history, what people remember and are going to remember is the Sega Genesis. Like, for whatever reason, even from a historical perspective, everyone, like, Sega Master System gets nothing. Zero credit. No one gives a shit about the Sega Master System. The Genesis is the default thing you think of, and then you think of how they stumbled after the Genesis into oblivion. Um, so I think that... During the being, Genesis into oblivion. During, okay, yes, during the Genesis, they kind of fucked up their brief lead they had over Nintendo. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it's basically, you know, it's Sega's most important thing they ever did. So I think it, that means a lot in terms of looking back on it. Stefan, right. do you have anything to say about your five... Yeah, so I think because is this where we were talking about like the quality of boxes factoring in? Because like that's no, that, that's tilt. Nope. 
We're just talking uh, about whether it will be the uh, same price or more expensive. Okay, in the no, future. but like, but but I I also feel like that this this factors into a little bit to value proposition because um it's easy to keep a Genesis game nice. I don't. Um, I, I disagree. Except for the you know the the paper the the, ma- stuff the, ma- the manual gets dinged every time you open it. If you are in any kind of humid climate, that paper gets wrinkly. Uh, yeah. It also slides. It slides around. The paper stock isn't thick enough to allow the case. Like the case is a good idea, but that paper isn't. Um, it just it. it you're not going to get if like you're talking about investment and especially talking about value. You you can't take those in and grade them well. You know, I, and I don't know how much pressing does for those or like how how you get around that. But yeah, I just find the like the them sliding around and the way it, what it does to the manual. Not not great. Also, the clips a lot of times rub on uh, the top label, which I don't like because uh, on some of the cases where they put the clips, yeah. And the cardboard boxes are atrocious. Fuck, you're incepting me to like change this to a four. <sighs> it's it's value. I, what do you? We're not talking about the tilt here because the, if there's more bad condition games, then your games have long term value, don't they? No, I don't, I don't because think it matters I, I just, either way. I, just don't I think th- it's a wash. I, I, because yeah, there's so I, I many boxes for, and so many people don't care about the condition of like the Yeah. I, I just don't I just don't think again, because I don't think Genesis matters enough, even though it's very important, I just don't think it's gonna see like a big spike. Like it's it's spiked, yeah, but in in relativity, it's still kind of cheap, right? That's what we're talking about. It's a long term value. Will you get your money out? Yeah, but will you grow much? Probably not. All right. I am all right. I just want to say this. I'm wondering if uh, uh, did either of you have a Turbo Graphics growing up? I'm sorry, I don't remember. No, no. Okay, my friend, my friend David McCauley did. So we kind of see Turbo Graphics as like the weird other console. I'm wondering if kids who are growing up today, like if you're like 16 years old right now, do they see like Sega Genesis as like? Oh, that weird time Sega made a big console because they know like the Nintendo history, but like the Sega one is like kind of a weird one. Any value in that? Am I adding? Am I prophesizing anything correct here? I don't think so. Okay, never mind. Because I Forget don't think that. they think of it. I don't think they think of it at all. Cut all that. We need. We need to get like someone. Get, is there a college freshman listening to this show? Tell us what you think about video games. Only because I don't know the logistics of getting a miner on the show. I don't know. Go read a Reddit for him. <laughs> Boom. You got him. You got Reddit. Uh, cost of collecting. Uh, we all put this at a four. And I'm going to say that's because complete and box games are easy to find. And even though the the game prices have increased a lot, the prices on Sega stuff haven't been as bad as iconic Nintendo stuff, which kind of puts it in the middle of the road for all of us. Do any of you have any different opinions on that? No, no. Extendability. What you could do after completing a set. I've got it at a four. Johnny at a three and Stefan at a five. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Stefan, explain, uh, explain it. Um, there's just like a, like when I was talking about like the, the homebrew scene and not, not just homebrew, but just like people making like weird carts and stuff like the, like the Christmas Sonic ROM with the like Christmas lights in it and shit. Like, I understand that's also, they also do that on the NES, but, but, um, but there's just, there's, there's 
fun stuff to collect on the Genesis. And of course, there are you know the cop a couple competition weird competition things and and uh, you know hell Johnny's got a couple things sitting on his shelf that I'm kind of envious of uh, that aren't that certainly aren't part of the set. Uh, so yeah, I'm comfortable with my five. Your five because of like weird bootleg stuff is the worst justification ever let me bring up for extendability and the sega cd two like subsets that you could consider part of the genesis but they're like very clearly the next place to go if you complete a genesis set um and then there's there's like the blockbuster yes. flash yes, Tyler, forgive me forgive me for not including other consoles they're in not consoles they're add-ons to an existing console sure there's all the, you know what another add-ons. console is. There was this weird console they made called the Heartbeat Personal Trainer. It's a Shut completely up. different nope. console from nope. the Sega Genesis. Nope, not, I'm not letting. <laughs> nope, not letting you do this. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think just the 32x and the Sega CD alone is so much. And then there's a little bit like there's the Blockbuster stuff. There's like New Leaf carts, Blockbuster World Championships. If you're like one of the coolest collectors on the planet, which you're probably not, but Johnny is. Even after all of that, Johnny, you're giving us a three. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't think there is a lot to do, and I'm wondering if I should lower it to a two or raise my Super Nintendo to a four. <laughs> I just I don't know what the right answer is because I don't I feel like it's worse than the Super Nintendo uh, in extendability. Yeah, you can get into cardboard box variants, which I did, um, but you don't have to. Uh, yeah, you can, and I don't think that's reasonable for people to do. There's a lot of like weird subsets in the like player's choice style stuff. But there isn't a lot of translations. And yeah, you can go into other regions, but I, I think more likely you just collect Mega Drive stuff rather than collecting, buying a few Mega Drive games. Uh, or like maybe you buy a few, but they, you don't go as hard as like, say, uh, people who collect Super Nintendo into other regions. Um, yeah. I. What do you guys think? Should I lower it to a two or raise Super Nintendo to a four or just keep it where it is? Is it comparable uh, to Super I Nintendo? Was, I was thinking you should raise it to raise the SNES only because like when I was thinking about you, you were talking about Mega Drive and like I think there are like the people who do Super Famicom go harder than like the Mega Drive people and I just feel like there's like a, there's less cool like Mega Drive like t- territory specific stuff for the Mega Drive than there is for the Super Famicom. I mean there's some pretty cool games like there are some like really good games for Mega Drive, and I have a few that like got crossed over. Like when I was early in collecting, buying stuff that I wouldn't buy now. But yeah, I don't know. And th- there is like a homebrew scene that's greater than Super Nintendo, like all the stuff Watermelon did, and like you know, you get your Beggar Princes and all that out there. I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about it. I'm I'm comfortable with my three for the moment, but I may change Super Nintendo to a four. All right, tilt for the Sega Genesis. Johnny, you have a four. I have a four. Stefan, you have a five. Stefan, why do you think the Sega Genesis is so cool? Why are you overrating the Sega Genesis uh, more than <laughs> all of us? The Menacer. No, uh, <laughs> although the Menacer is pretty cool. Um, I honestly, like, I love the console itself i think is 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 a fantastic especially the original model one genesis is b-e-a-u-t-full um i also like clamshell like hard shell like the hard clamshells i like i like those boxes quite a bit i think they look great when they're on a shelf um i even like the like the like the black box genesis like grid pattern like is very nostalgic to me um i just i think there's some 
some just some great great cool stuff you're making me reconsider but i'm gonna stick it a four i think genesis is pretty cool it's got like a little bit of his i mean it's got a lot of historical significance just but its historical significance is mainly that it made nintendo way better which is like okay so it's basically also linked to nintendo everything's linked to nintendo everyone wants nintendo games uh the fact that it's not nintendo clearly dings it um I don't. The boxes I think there's are kind a, of a pain a in the ass. There's a mail away glove and a mail away Star Trek figure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great stuff. Um, <laughs> good stuff. I think like all the different sizes and types of boxes are a little bit of a pain in the ass. I don't like that I have to constantly reorganize my boxes because I can't figure out what looks the best. Like I got all all my white box EA Sports games over here, and then my red box games and my black box games, and then there's like we there's like there's a whole set of Sega Genesis boxes that are both black and red on the spine, like Shadow of the Beast, I think, is one of them. And I try to put those in between my black and red boxes. And it's just like there's so much organizing to do. Uh, and like the the the, the like Taito boxes that don't really fit anywhere. And... and some are cardboard, and then the cardboard ones there are just cardboard ones, and then there are cardboard ones that are red. So it's like you can't just put all the cardboard ones together because it feels like the red ones belong with the red ones. Anyway, I. I Middle of the road for me. If it was all cardboard boxes, I think it would be cooler. Uh, yeah, I'm 100% with you on that, Tyler. Like, all just organizing the Genesis collection is a pain in the ass, and it there's the consistency <laughs> made, is so I made bad. Johnny do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, controller the croissant controller three button is just a terrible thing. I went into my problems with the box. There are some better special editions, um, but. Yeah, you just get dinged a big cool factor trying to figure out how to how to do anything with the Genesis stuff. And also, like, all the EA games being, like, consistent just make for, like, this one ugly section that you're just like, those are my bad games. Cool. <laughs> like, here's a wall of bad games. Like, uh, like, and the inconsistency is actually too pronounced. They're like, here's the, it's too much. And so you get these blocks and you're like, ugh. Like, yep. look at all the inconsistencies. So, like, if it was, like, a few games here and there, like, you'd be like, all right, whatever. Um, there, There's some cool stuff. I Like, it's still, like, a good score. You know, it, it is cool. The The Genesis is cool, but I'm talking about why I'm digging it. So, that, that controller also plays a big factor in me. I hate the three-button controller so much. I can't. Can anyone, can anyone defend the three-button controller? Is it just the worst controller ever made? I like the size. I I would honestly, I'd love if the six button controller didn't get smaller. Like if it was just the if they literally just put three more buttons on. Do you on like the, the Duke? Uh, you know what? I don't hate the Duke, but maybe I have big manly hands. I don't know. Yeah, I have tiny tiny little girl hands. Or, or, no, John, uh, you're right. the three button controller is absolute garbage. But you see, the other side of that is, I think that the Japanese controller is one of the best controllers i think for playing older games uh, probably not as good as just like a super nintendo controller um but the japanese controller a little bit smaller than the six button controller it was released in america as the sega club kids controller that controller is awesome well so also johnny cancels out you can take that three you can take i mean you can take the six button controller too but you can take that three button controller plug it right into your 2600 so that's yeah. cool yeah, John, what you're playing, that. you're uh, Johnny. Are you playing Atari games with an Atari joystick? No, like the answer sucker? is you're not playing Atari games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, I, uh, wait. You can seriously do that? Yes. Yes. Huh. You just use the A button as the button. It's amazing technology. I did. 
I did not you know that. You need to go replay Atari game. Are you kidding me? I haven't played an Atari game with a joystick in like probably 20 years. Huh. I did hey, not everybody. expect to learn something. Yeah, hey everybody, you can plug a three button or six button Genesis controller into a 2600 and play your 2600 games. Yeah, but good luck plugging your 2600 into a TV. You could do it with a <sighs> Commodore 64 too. Although there is some kind of electrical part you could like break something if you do that so you can get a special adapter that prevents you from breaking your Commodore. Sweet. Anyway, out of a max of 147 points, we gave the Sega Genesis a total of 90. Johnny gave it a 27, I gave it a 29, Stefan gave it a 34. Uh Stefan way overrating the Sega Genesis. Not <laughs> All right. True. Let's Not go true. on to the PS1 Johnny. And uh, maybe let's pick up the pace a little bit because we're an hour and 45 minutes into this. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, we we don't have to debate so hard in between each category. Um, Okay, so PS1 coming at you strong game quality. I'm giving this a seven. Tyler gives it a six. Stefan, you give it a five. Stefan, why don't you tell me why you're a five? I just don't know the amount of shovelware. Again, the, the, the library is so fucking huge on the PS1, and there's just so, so much garbage. Like, I feel like the, the 16 to the 32-bit generation was, like, the where, like, ev- the, when, when even, like, like, mass market licensed garbage was still, like, trying to be art... Uh, and then, like P- uh, in the PS1 generation, it was just like, nope, this is just garbage. We're just, just gonna phone this shit in. Um, and and uh, so yeah, I think there's just like the a glut, a glut of of shovelware on the PS1. Are so you I, considering I th- games like skydiving extreme shovelware? Because my friend Game Dash Rave on YouTube has a bone to pick with you. <laughs> so I, I think maybe my seven is too generous. Uh, maybe it should be a six, uh, but I just, the PS1, I, I didn't put it maybe into the right historical context when I was thinking about it, but a lot of those games were just, I, it, the PS1 stole people from Nintendo because of their games, right? Like, oh my God, these games are so good. You have to go buy a PlayStation 1 and fuck Nintendo. So that was kind of the factor for me that it did that uh, to people on mass and then it became the dominant console uh but is kind of where i came up with the score how much do you think and i know we're trying to debate less but uh, how how much do you think of that came down to um th- like 3d being the future like as far as like the people that it poached I, there's still a lot of fine 2d games on there and but the 3d is the future a little bit i mean nintendo was doing 3d as well at the same time it's not like the N64 was just trying to be, you know, sprites. Yeah. When did the N64 come out in relation to the PS1's launch? I think like a year after. Mm. It was, I think it was 96 for the Super Nintendo, 95 for PlayStation. I, I could have that backwards. Mm. Anyways. Are you sure? I thought they both came out in 95. But you know what? Did they? You know, I they, don't know. they could Someone be. Someone look it I, up. Someone knows more it than was, this. It was the end of high school for me. Uh, that's what I remember. So it was 95, 96 for both of them. But I remember, I thought the PlayStation was out first. But I could be wrong. Mm, I think you're right. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll defend my six. I mean, PlayStation games are obviously killer. The The one thing that prevents it from being a seven is some of the 3D games are a little janky just because it's the first era of 3D. And I really hate how uh, this was the generation where we moved to 3D 
and we had decades of games being 60 frames a second, and here's where we decided that, ah, I guess 20 to 30 should be okay, and that still is plaguing games today, and I really fucking hate that. Johnny, we were all... We were all wrong. The PlayStation launched December 3rd, 1994. And uh, and N64 launched June 23rd, 1996. Who launches a console in June? Uh, Get all those kids just getting out of school for the summer. Anyways, uh, let's see. Going to game variety. I have this as a 7 again. Maybe it's too high, but you guys have a 6 and a 7 as well. There's a lot of games, and you like finally got rhythm games and everything. You, if there's a style of game you want to play, you can pretty much do it on the PlayStation. Yep. Okay, so I'm gonna change my six to a seven here because my my go tos for a console not having enough variety are: does it have enough rhythm games, and does it have enough horror games? And the PS One not only has those in spades, it's kind of the console that pioneered the genre as we know it today for both of those genres. And it also has just everything else. Like I, I don't, I don't think of PS One as like, oh, it's the console for great RPGs. It's kind of the console for great everything. Yeah, this is for me. This is sort of like the 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 stark difference between game quality and game variety, right? Like, the, the game quality went down for me because of the glut of games, like a ridiculous amount of games. The library is huge, but at the same time, you have so many games, you're bound to have a lot of variety. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, like, I'm still thinking about changing that score to a six. It, it might be right on six. Anyways, iconic titles. Uh, this where this is where it falls off for me and for you guys. So you guys have fives, and I have a four. Uh, who wants to go first? Tyler? You want to tell me why you're a five? Um, no, I don't. Okay. I don't know. I mean, uh, PlayStation, it has it has all the, the franchises. I guess the problem is more that they're franchises. I mean, when you think of PlayStation, you think Metal Gear Solid, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. You think Final Fantasy VII, Gran Turismo. I guess Gran Turismo is its own thing, but also it's, it's a racing game. It's not literally like a super great mascot. I realize it's the best-selling PlayStation game, but it's a fucking racing game. Yeah, but I think it's got- Tomb Raider started on Sat- Saturn. I mean, yeah, it's got Tomb Raider. It's a multi-platform thing. I think the thing with PlayStation is you look at PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale and it's like, oh, I mean, maybe I don't really want a fighting game with all the iconic Sony franchises. <laughs> I want the Nintendo fighting game. That's kind of PlayStation's problem. Yeah, so and that's where my four comes from, is that the idea that some of the most iconic stuff for PlayStation, which is weird, didn't come from the PlayStation 1. Like, if I think of the best PS1 games, I don't think, are the best PlayStation games, I don't think of the PS1. You got me. I'm, I'm lowering it to a four just on how iconic some of the games are. Okay. Oh, got a lowered score. Anyways, Stefan, anything you want to add or can we go on to value proposition? Mm, no, I mean, you know, no, we can go on. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Value proposition, PS1. Man, I come in low on everything. Just so you guys know, I came in low everywhere, uh, except for one where I'm like, maybe I'm too high. Uh, value proposition: I come in at a three. Tyler comes Ooh. in at a seven. Stefan, you were at a four. We're close, but Tyler, you you've got some Tyler. explaining to do. Yeah, defend yourself, saw. All right, let me uh, let me go back to my game quality and variety. A uh, six for quality, seven for variety. It is the first Sony console, and. 
you know, what's the most popular console right now? Is it the PlayStation 5? I don't know about the PlayStation vs. Xbox debate, but I know there's tons of people growing up on just PlayStation, so we, by default, go back to NES. All the PlayStation people, by default, will go back to the PS1, and I think PS1 games are pretty cheap. We were just talking about, last episode, Final Fantasy VII is, like, 40 bucks. That game has everything going for it, besides how common it is, but... There are so many iconic PlayStation games that cost as much or less than just a Switch game would cost you at the store. And I think they're going to be timeless games. I would be buying PlayStation. I think it's it. I would put PlayStation 1 in my top three consoles of all time. And maybe it's number one. I don't know. All right, Stefan, rebuttal. No, you know what? Actually, I Tyler's got some really good points. Not, I, I'm not comfortable in moving my score. Like I still think, like I would have said all the things Tyler said and then still given it my four. Um, so, but, uh, but hats off to Tyler for the crisp <laughs> argument. So my problem is this, and the counter to to Tyler's argument is you said, oh, kids are playing it. Ki- the PlayStation 1 is old. Kids already played it who are now adults, and they didn't come back. It had the, ri- the rise, and people still aren't going back in mass. We didn't see that big spike of, like, the N64, the nostalgia generation that already happened. The PS1 got left out of that. So where are these kids coming oh, from? Oh, so you're saying you it has room adults? to grow, Johnny? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm saying it... I'm just saying it didn't. It didn't happen. Like, I think the time for that to happen didn't occur so it kind of got left and it stagnated a little bit and people still don't know what the middle of the playstation library is so yeah like i i think the library is actually so big that it hurts the value of collecting it long term you're gonna get some of the best games that go up but overall you're you're gonna be squashed by by everything else or that means there's still room to go hunt for good deals because people aren't thinking about you know but they're not but but you're not competing against it's demand there's no demand. But there could be in the future. Seven. No demand. Invest in PS1. All right. <laughs> Cost of collecting. Moving on. So, guys, we gave this all a six. Uh, PlayStation, yeah, w- this is this is where Tyler was going. Yes, I think there's room to get in. There isn't any real set killers. You could get the whole library conceivably, and the average cost of game is fairly low. Like, yeah, you can still have a lot of fun at not too much money, collecting ps1 games but you can still get like a few games that are like nice shelf pieces that you shelled out on that like look cool that make a good instagram picture playstation is a you know for its cost is a great collection a great system to collect for yeah just don't uh don't buy rpgs or long box games <laughs> no you should buy it those are the things you should be buying those are the cool ones you can shell out on. warhawk is eight dollars and 98 cents go get warhawk does War- that have a small box version wow I was just trying. I was trying to think of the most worthless long box game that no one would ever want, well, and it was Warhawk. <laughs> just when I was, just when I thought we were going to have something to bond over, <laughs> he just pulled the rug out. He trolled you on. I purpose. know he did. All right. Anyone else got anything to say more than that about PlayStation cost? Nope. No, my, go to my, my pride is injured. I'm sorry. Uh, you'll, you, it'll be fine. Um, extendability, guys. Uh, I got a two because I rate low. Tower three, Stefan four. Anyone want to take a stab at this? I just don't think there's a lot to do beyond just buying your PS1 games. There's a few like collector stuff, but imports you can get. Like if you're game rave, there's a lot to do forever and ever and ever and ever. But I don't think most people are Jason. 
Yeah, that's why. I mean, that's why I got my. I, I understand that I, I rated this the highest, but like that's where it all came for me. Like, it is the import scene. You see, you guys are rating the imports really highly. I'm, I'm not. Um, I, I really, I really separate out my uh, import stuff. Yeah, but where, where's your aftermarket and homebrew? What's driving? I mean, I'm I mean, just thinking of three, like the greatest so. hits and the collector's edition stuff. And, uh, you know, fuck it. I'm, I'm going down to a two. <laughs> there's also fun. Uh, <laughs> All right. Wow. There's, there's some like, I mean, if you wanted to do like magazine. Like oh, magazine that was it. It's because of magazine demos. Ma- are you back, back up to a are three. You back up? That's like a whole era of things that only exists from like the mid 90s to the mid 2000s. And I think those consoles do benefit from things like magazine demos. Okay, you're going back to a three yep. for the magazine demo? Or even just right. magazines. Like, you can't get magazines for consoles after the last issue of Nintendo Power, probably. I know, but all the consoles we just talked about all had magazines. Too, oh, I know. So everything like, oh. does. I'm just saying, there. Yeah. if we did an Xbox Series X thing, the extendability might be one, because there's literally nothing to collect. No. It's like, what are you buying games for? Just get Game Pass and enjoy your life. Yeah. And, you know, PlayStation Underground, maybe an iconic yeah. demo. Uh, demo CD, maybe the most iconic demo CD. Did you just change one of my things? What's going on? Uh, (laughs) Okay. Johnny's taking it upon himself. (laughs) I'm lowering these scores. Uh, (laughs) Hey, tilt factor. Uh, Let's go. We got fours. Uh, Stefan and I, Tyler, you got a five. I I think we're all pretty close and agree that the PlayStation is pretty cool, Mm -hmm. but it does have some limitations. Uh, Tyler, you want to talk about your five? Uh, historical significance in terms of Sony games is all the way there. Box quality, I think a jewel case is the best box. I like. I flip flop on what I think the best box is, but man, I love how small and easy to store jewel cases are. Um, the only thing that it doesn't get all the way is the cool factor, and a little bit of that is just because it is kind of cheap. So it's not like wow, you've got all these PlayStation games. It's like oh, and like seventy of them are Madden games. So there's a little bit of that going on, but. Uh, yeah, I do think PlayStation's super cool. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool too. I I just felt like four is like a good score. Not all the way there. Mm-hmm. Not not bad. Not not great. Like it is pretty cool. It is significant. I don't know if enough people care about it. I do like jewel cases a lot, though they do crack. So that's like like your jewel cases are always busted and replacing them. Yeah, you can do it, but it's not like Especially getting the, an the actual replacement. Cases. Yeah, and those are like kind of fall apart. Controller was good for its time. Yeah, like, yeah, I just it didn't. It wasn't a home run for me. It's good, but not great. DualShock started on PS One too, right? As yep, well, right? It did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Another terrible thing that was started in the PS One days that we can't shake. Literally, the analog sticks were placed because they're like, I guess we put them at the bottom. And somehow the PS5 still uses the same controller. Uh, dude, people are still defending that, and I don't understand. <laughs> it's the bad placement. It's... I don't get it. DualShock controllers shake all the time, Tyler. No, it, the button, the an- the the sticks. <laughs> I know he said that uh, he said that it can't shake. Oh. Uh, oh what's uh? You know, I didn't even get the thanks, joke. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Anyways, we get we got a total of 106 here, which is a very good score. Uh, we'll talk full rankings later, but I came in at a 33. Stefan's got a 35, and Tyler loves it the most at a 38. Also, uh, before we go, PS1 startup sound, the best startup sound ever. Takes too long. Wow. Um, loading times. Bluck. Oh, man, I should have tilted it down for loading times. I don't even think about That's, this anymore. Yeah, loading times. Don't want to play it. Cartridges have you beat on that every time. I will note that my score for PlayStation is the same as my NES score. 
That's how cool I think PlayStation is. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, he did say maybe the best console of all time, and I heartedly disagree. But <laughs> Tyler also somehow rated Super Nintendo higher than I did, so I don't understand what the hell is going on in this world. Anyways, Stefan, you get to talk about your favorite console, the N64. Woo! Console for trash people. All right, game quality, zeros across the board. No, uh, we gave the N64, uh, Johnny gave it a three, Tyler gave it a three, I gave it a two for game quality. Um, I'll go ahead and start this. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, there are, you know, a very small handful of really excellent games. And then there's a glut of either the games that, 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 that range from completely forgettable to like real, real bad. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have more to say on that. It's bad. No. Bad stuff. Tower, you have any, anything to add to that? I guess I agree with that. There's also just that, like, you could point out the great games on any console, but at the same time, my favorite, uh, my favorite two games of all time are N64 games, so I'm not gonna go all the way down to a two. I do think the Nintendo and Rare stuff does shine really bright. And then there's a lot of wrestling, sports, and racing games. A lot for a small console. A lot. <laughs> yeah, that's. And I'm I'm in the same place. The highs are very high. The lows are very low. Yeah, and when you only have 196 games, like yeah. 296, 296, what? 297. What? Is that yeah. not 196? It's 296. No. Is it? Japanese, it's like nothing. There's like 120 Japanese games or something. All right. Shows you how long ago I uh, collected my N64 set. Cool. So, uh, game variety. Again, uh, if you hadn't figured it out by now, this one's not going to be great either. Uh, we gave it twos across the board for game variety. I think almost for identical reasons in that, like, there is a... I didn't think Tyler hit it, the nail on the head. There are a shitload of racing and wrestling games and a handful of good things. But, uh, yeah, just a lot, of, a lot of racing and wrestling. Johnny, what's your favorite N64 RPG? Oh, uh, Shadowgate, but that's not really an RPG. Quest? Quest 64? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite uh, N64 shooter? Goldeneye. No, 2D shooter, space shooter. I think oh, there's only um, one, so there is there is a correct answer. <laughs> it was, it's the hyper, hyper one, right? I'm thinking the of hyper. Star Soldier. Maybe you could think of another uh, star, one. No, Star Soldier. Yeah, yeah, okay. Star Soldier. Yeah, it is probably right. Yeah, and so I I was really close to going one just because the variety on N64 is so bad. I have to reserve one for things like R Zone, where there's like literally direct copies of other Nothing. games yeah. that are the same exact game just with different sprites. So yeah, like two might actually be too harsh, but yeah, I feel good about it. All right, it's not too harsh. Uh, iconic titles. Uh, this is where things start to pick up a little bit. Johnny gave it a five. Tyler gave it a six. I slew it again at a three. Um, Tyler, defend your six. Uh, Super Mario 64 sold for $1.56 million. That does not matter. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, yes, it's incredibly also, iconic to one idiot. Mario Kart 64 is perpetually more expensive than Super Mario Kart. Like, both of them are, I think, just kind of pretty good games. Um, I think, like, they're pretty equivalent in quality, but Mario Kart 64 is so much more nostalgic and iconic Ocarina of Time is kind of the de facto best game ever made. I know there's other choices, but it just it is. Um, no, no, no. 
I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know. A lot of people don't agree with that. But when you look up like best game ever made, and you go find like the shittygamesite.com, they're gonna put Ocarina of Time as like number one, uh, number yeah. two. Yes, uh, they do all the time. I look, disagree, but yeah. Look, the 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 entire iconic game list for this console is the same game list for like the game ver- like the the games that aren't terrible like so you have like no. the good the good come on the good games no, are the iconic titles on. you smash brothers started you, here you don't think Mario- smash brothers is iconic like like no i i duh, it is yeah, iconic. and it's a That's great game i'm just saying that like like that small handful of games and like it's just it's it, it, no like it's, just, it's, uh, it's like also worth the price of admission, no, right? Sure. So you have Smash Brothers, you have Goldeneye. Like those are two games that people just. And then you have again, uh, I don't agree with it, but you have Super Mario Brothers sixty four, and you have Ocarina of Time, which people uh, two of the most iconic games ever. Whether whether I agree with it or not, and I can't believe I have to defend anything on the N sixty four because it makes me sick to my stomach. But it, it just it has like. It has name power, and it started some series that have remained relevant today, which not everything carried through. Like there, are, how many Metroids have there been? And I, like I love Metroid so much. And like, how, what are we on Mario Party four hundred and fifty two? Like Jesus Christ! Uh, I lowered my score from a six to a five because a boy remembering like how insane the super nintendo library is with just iconic games i don't think the n64 is like one notch down from it i think it's a little bit less than that yeah i i agree like i i'm still a five all right i i, I think a three is too low but three yeah, is definitely too low stefan go play ocarina of time uh, I'm sorry, go play Super Mario 64 because it's worth over a million dollars because that's how iconic it is. Uh, moving on, value proposition to where that act that argument actually matters instead of where Tyler decided to talk about it. Oh, hey, Star um, Fox is a shooter. Yeah. Star Fox is a shooter. Well, I said 2D shooter, though. Good stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, so we give it, we value proposition, we give it four acro- fours across the board. I think also we should remember for uh, value proposition and for cost of collecting, we are not really, at least at, Tyler and I were not talking about sealed graded games in which that $1.6 million uh, Mario 64 would matter. Uh, so yeah, fours across the board. Who wants to start with that? No, I, I think it's kind of self-explanatory. You, look, there's potential to grow. Uh, there is value, especially because they've got so many iconic titles, and people are really high. Like, there's a generation that just loves this console so much. So there's just, and those people are gaining more money right now. So yeah, I think there's room to grow on the price of those games somehow. But yeah, I think you're you're fine if you're buying on sixty four box games. But I would maintain buying either card only or nice box. Not I wouldn't middle around with like bad box games. Tyler, anything to add, or can we move on? Uh, no. I, I mean, I th- I'm, I'm debating moving to a five, just because, like, I think even mm. if it's $90 or whatever, you should probably buy Super Mario 64. I don't care how common it is. I do think it will be desired forever as just a collectible game. Um, forever, ever? But it's not It's not the, the most important thing to put your money into. All right. Cost of collecting. Johnny gave it a four. Tyler gave it a three. I gave it a four. Tyler, defend your three. I don't know, man. Some of those rare games are expensive, right? How much? How much does Banjo Tooie cost right now? I'm talking about like Gold is a hundred bucks. Is that a lot or a little, according to you? A lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when did that? Ha- it was ten dollars forever, forever. 
Yeah. I mean, considering how common that is, let's see, like, what, Banjo-Tooie looks like it's around $150. I think N64 games are expensive, and part of that comes from just the conditional rarity of the boxes are easy to damage, but, uh... What, should I raise it up? I, I don't know. I, I feel like I want to be in with the fours on you guys. Hmm. 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 I'm just double checking, right? Goldeneye did sell for $100. I, I, I'm not yeah. crazy. I did no, see one sell for you're 100%, $100. correct. So come down yeah, to a like, three. Come on. It's not all it's not all green pastures and N64. It's pretty expensive out there, Johnny. Come on. Lower that score. Well, come to a three. Let's go. No. All right. I'm sticking by my three. I think if I was if you asked gun to my head, if you asked me if N64 is like okay or a little bit expensive, I would err on the side of expensive. Just just yeah. for clarity, Tyler, you are saying that N64 is as expensive to collect as NES. Yes. You are bananas. Because um, I think in terms of the games you would want to collect, I think there are plenty of NES games that you're going to spend you know, less than $75 on. And I don't think there are a lot of those games you'll find on N64 because everyone mm. wants the same fucking 20 games on N64. You are allowed to have your terrible take. Moving okay. on to extendability. Uh, twos across the board. Uh, not a not a lot of love out there for the N64, and as, as far as uh, diverging, uh, you know, and the the like the the Technicolor fucking consoles and controllers, like I I uh, I almost want to bring it up to a three myself Don't because like there's so many like like and there's like nintendo power uh n64 controller stuff there like i don't know I don't there's know. the pikachu console there's all these the pikachu console is fucking awesome but yeah for me that went into cool factor i mean mm. extendability should we should we have moved like that kind of stuff into extendability is that real i was thinking more of the extendability of the games like how you collect the games mm. but yeah i i think we can say overall in the system so maybe maybe we need to like rethink whether we have that in the right area also like but. i don't know that special editions and variants are necessarily the same thing for consoles no, special editions and variants aren't the same thing. Yeah. So I think there's room for that conversation, you know, similar conversations in both tilt and extendability. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to put this on three. Is it because you were thinking of the Sharkwire Online, the keyboard and little Game Shark adapter that lets you download codes from the internet? Sure. Okay. Uh, I had a save <laughs> search for that for like five years, never found one. <laughs> All right, anybody else want to say anything else on extendability nope. for the N64? Uh, moving on to tilt. Uh, Johnny gave it a two. Tyler gave it a three. I also gave it a three. Johnny, defend your two. I just don't, you know, I, I think I'm drinking. I, I think it's too much hatred. I should probably just move up to a three. Uh, there, is some, <laughs> there, there is some good stuff to buy on it. Um, I just don't think it's cool, and that's my problem. I don't think it's cool, and we're talking about cool factor, but people love it. People love the form factor. People love the controller, and I don't like any of those things about it. I don't like the way the console looks. I don't like the feel of the controller. I don't like the special editions. Uh, it, it is significant that Nintendo uh, made a huge blunder in not going to disc system, so it's got a lot of significance there. Um, yeah, I'm going to move mine up. I'm going to move <laughs> mine up to a three, but I, I, I still don't love that. 
Yeah, I mean, most of my tilt just comes from, uh, I'd say the cool factor is the number one thing that factors into my tilt. How cool do I think it is in general? And yes, it has cartridges. Yes, it's a Nintendo console that comes in boxes, which is the last Nintendo console coming in boxes, not counting GBA. Um, but other than that, if if you show me 264 games, I'm like, half of those definitely don't matter. So there's a lot of that. More than half. I'm All being right. nice. <laughs> yeah, what's up? What are, what, how'd we total out? Um, totaling out at 66, not a good score. Uh, Johnny with a 23, Tyler with a 22, and me with a 21. How did I like the N64 <laughs> more than you guys? Uh, the <laughs> math is bad. Yeah, yeah I don't I know. I think uh, so. Johnny likes the Super Nintendo the least, and. <laughs> <laughs> the N64 the most out of anyone on Collector's Quest in terms of how good it is to collect. Perfect. I love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What is happening? I, I need to go lower my scores. It was fine <laughs> yeah. when we were the same no, tower, the but I raised that one of, score. The whole point of the categories is that we're not just ranking it willy-nilly. Yeah, I know. Anyways, uh, wh- let's go on. Saturn Tower, that's you, buddy. Oh, it's me. All right. Saturn game quality. Johnny, you gave it a three. I gave it a three. Stefan gave it a four. Stefan, are you about to overrate all the Sega consoles? Why don't you defend your four? Uh, you know, I just think that there's a a, a, a slice of, of high quality Saturn titles um, that I like a lot. You know, I do think Panzer Dragoon and Panzer Dragoon Saga are, you know, great games. Um, you know, they do have some really interesting um japanese rpgs that they ported over um yeah i mean it's all it also happens to be like all the good stuff is the horrendously expensive stuff on the console which is frustrating but but i think i think there's a, a, a i think i think there are more good saturn games than there are n64 games change my mind um I think you're definitely wrong, but okay. I, I don't want to be too much of a Saturn hater here. Uh, do you want? Do you want me to talk about how much I hate the Saturn arcade ports from Sega? No. no. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> I think Panzer Dragoon is fine. I think Panzer Dragoon Saga is overrated. I think Nights into Dreams is fine. I think like the the most iconic Saturn stuff I think is like fine. I mean, I'm not going to count things like imports like Radiant Silver Gun, which I think is awesome. Saturn Bomberman is fine. I honestly like Bomberman 64 better. I'm going to be the only one with that opinion. Sonic R is fine. Virtual Cop is fine. I think Saturn has a lot of fine games. And then when you get into the dregs of it, there's a lot of the weird 3D transition era games that don't hold up. So that's where I'm at on Saturn's quality. Fair. All right, move us on then. It's your your show. Game Variety. Uh... Me and Johnny gave it a three. Stefan, again, overrating it with a four. Stefan, how much variety do you think there is on Saturn? Uh, more than in 64. Suck it. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, certainly I think if, if look, if I am, if I have Atari 2600 at a three, <laughs> right? Like Saturn, Saturn has more variety than 2600. And yeah, I think I it's. I disagree it's, with that. Mm, mm, <laughs> mm. Uh, no, I'm. I, you know what? I'm comfortable with my four. I'm gonna stay there. I don't care what you say. All right. I mean, I feel like I gotta. There's a lot of like gimme stuff. To, like, I mean, there technically yes, it has variety because it has like Duke Nukem and Quake and Power Slave 
and uh, Tomb Raider and Resident Evil. No, I'm just saying like it, those are all first person shooters. And it's like, yes, those exist. But also, am I ever going to play fucking Quake on the Sega Saturn? It's just kind of like checking a checkbox like, oh, yeah, we've got first person shooters. But no one is playing first person shooters on the Sega Saturn. So it feels like it almost Mega doesn't Man. Get... Doom is on the Sega Saturn, too. What the fuck? Um, Two Mega Man games. Two Mega Man games. Yeah. Marvel versus. You got some horror games on there. You got you got Big D. It's the biggest D. No, it's the second biggest D. Now I'm thinking about it. Uh, what D two is the biggest D? No, no, three D O D is the. I'm sticking by my uh, my three. That's fine. It's fine. All right. Uh, Iconic titles. Uh, How many mascots? Major licenses and exclusive. Johnny with the big one for the Sega Saturn. The only one out there, and I like Saturn more than both these guys. (laughs) Me and Stefan with the two. Um, Johnny one. Not even Panzer Dragoon is going to count as an iconic Sega Saturn. Not like yeah, one one. One iconic title, and that's the game everyone wants to Knights, go talk about. Knights was iconic enough that they made another one on the Yeah, okay, Nintendo two? Wii. There's two games. That's more two than, out of how many? It's more than the Sega Genesis. <laughs> but look, Sega is synonymous with, with Sonic, and if you, can't, if you can't point to a Sonic game on your Sega system, you failed. Sonic R. Done. Nope. No. I'm saying it's there, but it's not iconic. Is that? Uh, also, Johnny, according to this list, I do like uh, I do like Saturn more than you like Saturn. I know, I know. We'll, we'll get to that. Everybody <laughs> likes everything more than me. I don't like things. Apparently, is the the thrust of this episode. Uh, uh, Daytona, no, I just not don't... even Daytona. No, I like know the... it's an arcade port, and it sucks. So that's what people think about it with Sega Saturn because it was but so it common. Didn't, didn't come here, yeah. But they have to think about something when they think Art... of the Saturn. <laughs> That is a great point. I'm not going down to a one. I do think Panzer Dragoon and Knights Alone save it from being a one. Yeah. Like, and I like the Saturn a lot. I think there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Like Shining Force Three is there. That's worth the price of admission for me. But yeah, I just don't think it does a lot. Value Sorry. proposition: Johnny with the three, me with a three, Stefan with a five on the long-term value of the Sega Saturn. Stefan, what are mm-hmm. you talking about? No, no, no. Long-term uh, value proposition, one of uh, the contributing factors being long-term value. Okay. Um, I do think there's potential to grow. And I honestly did, going back to the one that we have not really covered a lot, the when you put your money in, can you get it out? And like I, I got in and out of Saturn relatively quickly and did very, very well. So, and that was not very long ago. So, yeah. But we're talking Five. about if you bought it now in the future because you did that during like the period where it would have been the easiest to do that with literally any game on the face of planet earth (laughs) no i i i i stick with it i still think i still think there's the between the potential to grow and being able to put you know get back out what you put in as long as you aren't trying to the sealed graded seems to be not the place for you to be in saturn right now but uh but there's still all right there's still I think there's room to grow, and I think there, and I think there's, you know, you can it is it is at least holding the value. All right, I think Saturn, you know, Saturn has some of that rarity built in, which I think will keep prices. Uh, you know, I don't think it's the worst thing you could buy. I just don't know how many people in the future who don't care about Sega Saturn will ever care about something like a stall. Like who who in the future is going to look back and be like, yeah, 
I gotta own an Astal. Like maybe they'll they'll come back and they'll look at all these these lists and and they'll pick up the Dragon Forces and the Panzer Dragoons. Uh, but the system as a whole, I think, is it's full of a bunch of dead weight that is pretty expensive. Johnny, I agree. We we gave it the same score, man. I it's just <laughs> okay. not. Yeah, not a, not a lot to do there. Cost of collecting Sega Saturn. All of us gave it a two. Uh, I'm gonna say it's because Sega Saturn is expensive. Do we really have anything else to say about that? Nope. It it is expensive. It's been expensive. It's it's expensive. Yeah. It's I- it's. Like the N64, except like some of the iconic games cost even more money. Yeah, so the I, only I feel thing like the floor is higher too. Am I making that up? It's just a gut feeling I have that the. Uh, like, I don't know if the floor is higher, but you just don't feel as good about it because the it's less. It has less iconic titles. Is my big problem with it. That's like you're paying a lot for stuff that isn't necessarily iconic or isn't a port on another system, and you know you. The cost of it, yes, it's expensive, and the stuff you're going to buy, like, even if you look at the averages, the stuff you are going to buy if you want to have the good stuff for the Saturn, which is the stuff you should be buying for it anyways, is all very expensive. So you're just you're just costed into that if you if you want to be buying. It's an expensive system to be buying into in a world where everything is expensive. Extendability of the Sega Saturn. All of us gave it a two. Stefan, you've been rating the imports really highly, so why are you giving Saturn a two here? Um, well, because that's like the only thing that there okay. there is really. That's, okay, that's, that's it. That's kind of where I'm at. So to be clear, I don't think that the Saturn import library is a two, but literally that is the only place to go. Um, Johnny, you have anything else to add there? Yeah, I'm changing my score to a three because Ooh. I think. Ooh. Yeah, I, I'm bumping it up actually because of the region thing because I think. A lot of people go so hard at at import Saturn stuff, and I think that like improves the library so vastly that it's worth being a three by itself just to explore beyond your region. There isn't a lot of homebrew or aftermarket anything. I just think going beyond what's available. And now I think as we have, I was thinking as we have more systems able to play disc based games for us now, like more retro systems coming out, that the Saturn is you know going to be more viable to get into those. So. Uh, Tyler, check it out. How many people do you think that have full sets or near full sets of Saturn also have a copy of Radiant Silver Gun? Everyone? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't. Are you see? You don't own a copy of Radiant Silver Gun, dude. Anybody who's anybody has a copy of Radiant Silver Gun. I mean, I want to own a copy. To be clear, I just never pulled the trigger on it. (laughs) Talk about a game that we're probably gonna put in like the games for video game collectors episode. And I realize it's kind of lost some of its cachet now, but man, like fifteen years ago, that was one of the games. Yeah, that was that was that was the fancy import. Yeah. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Tilt for the Sega Saturn, Johnny with the five, Tyler with the three, and Stefan with the four. Johnny, you do think the Sega Saturn is cool after all. I do. Uh, And again, part of it, the import scene. I also think like the big wall of white consistent cases looks great. Mm. It's got a pretty good gun uh, if you want to play a gun game. It just like it looks good on the shelf. It's cool, and I'm not talking about just the quality of the games or iconic tiles. I'm just saying when you look at it as a set or just like a couple of games on the shelf, they look cool. They they do just look cool. And I think thinking about the imports, yeah, and the box is cool when they're nice. Yeah, it's just it it's cool. That's all I got. I think it's a very cool system to have on the shelf. Yeah, I think it's real pretty. Also, the the twin sticks, chef's kiss, just chef's kiss. 
but yeah, I, I do. I, I love seeing, the, I think as far as aesthetically pleasing, like when I was piecing out all, like most of my sets, like that was the one that I like almost didn't get rid of purely from the aesthetics. Like, it's just like, it's just cool looking. Just looks, looks, looks fancy. They're all shiny. And as long as they're not all cracked up, the cases are cool. And to Johnny's point, they're very uniform and good stuff. I think mm. the Sega Saturn might be the console is most overrated by collectors. I think that it gets too much cool factor for being expensive. And that contributes to it being expensive as like a feedback loop. Because I think the fundamental coolness of the average Sega Saturn game is not very high as evidenced by our low scores for things like how many iconic games are actually on the Sega Saturn. Uh, so I do think it has some coolness factor, but I do think it's pretty. But important. the imports, imports are also I, very cool. I'm not really counting that. I don't. I know, but I'm just saying I'm that makes it cool I'm also not like super me. familiar with the import libraries of all the consoles we're talking about. So. Okay. Also, though there are not very many variants, uh, they are very uh, aesthetically pleasing console. I think it looks good. It's good looking. Get good those looking uh, those working designs logo facing out. Let everyone know how cool you are for having a lot of pink logos. Yeah, oh, and make sure you group them together because God, you do not alphabetize when you have uh, working designs games. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Just like all I your mean, Taito, you, all your you stuff on Genesis has to go together. I mean, you do alphabetize your working design games on their own separate shelf and put a little light on them, and, and absolutely make sure they're first. Do you put a stall where a stall is supposed to go, or do you put it first because it has no logo? <laughs> uh, to be clear, if anyone doesn't know, a stall, the spine of the case doesn't say a stall on it. It just says blank for some reason. I mean, I guess it's an error, but good stuff. Uh, anyway, Sega Saturn is our lowest game, our lowest console of the day with a 61 total Johnny gave it a 20, I gave it 18, and Stefan gave it a 23. I am uncomfortable with it being that much lower than the N64. Is it that much lower? Is It's only five lower five, than the N64 points. on a 147-point scale. But you, got, you have it two points higher than the N64, Stefan. <sighs> you're good. Don't worry about All it. Right. Your, your personal All opinion right. has been reflected. All right. All right. Um... Yeah, that's Sega Saturn. I mean, it's the lowest, but uh, the lowest of what we thought might be the most collectible consoles. So, Johnny, we can go on to you. Bring it home, right. Johnny. PlayStation Two, a system I rated too lowly. Uh, <laughs> somehow, I don't like. I was just like, I'm jumping ahead, but man, Johnny what did I hates do? PS Two. I, I do. Uh, no, PS Two is great. It's a great system. Game quality, guys. We gave it a six across the board because it's got a lot of amazing games. So good. Yeah, uh, like so good. It, I mean. It's got a huge library. It has to have a lot of good games, like the volume of it alone. Yeah. Uh, just like the Nintendo Wii, we would definitely give a six to. No. <laughs> uh, I might give it a five. I might give the Wii a five. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think so. The PS2 is more of a seven that I've put down to a six and the Wii might be a four that bumps up to a five because of how many good Nintendo games there are. The only reason that the PS2, I think, is not a seven is because it basically has the worst version of every multi-platform game. Fair. All right. Game variety. Guys, you gave it a seven. I gave it a six. Why, why, Stefan, are you giving it a seven on game variety? 
Uh, you know, man, I think <laughs> it's like ridiculous. It's got so many games. <laughs> yeah, there's so so many games, and and just so much, and and like it hits hits every category. There's something for everybody on the PS2, literally. Um, also, like the highs are just so so high, so high, and just like so many titles that are just like of that tier of just like bananas, great experiences, so good. Yeah, I think I'm actually wrong, and I, I'm I'm bumping it up. I I I thought too much about what's well, like. Well, there's a lot of survival horror, and there's a lot of sports games, but there's a lot of everything on the system. Really, there's yeah, a lot of rhythm. Dude. It's like Guitar yeah. Man, so, excellent Chef's Kiss. Yeah, Mwah. there's a lot of weird stuff on there. I like niche games. There's a lot of everything. It's yeah. I mean, it's like the biggest catalog of games. Yeah, there's a lot of everything. Um, here, not that and I need to, your your question was so ridiculous and asking Stefan why a seven I that I laughed, but <laughs> I, I mean even like Western developed games, I think this is something that the PlayStation One, even though I also gave that a seven, might be lacking in. But like Western RPGs, you got like the Baldur's Gate, Dark yep. Alliance games, and X Men Legends yep. and things like that. It's just it's fucking crazy. Well, I I, so I think good. like. 2D style RPGs of the past, they also moved heavily away from, which we're kind of coming back to that style a little bit. I think they moved too far away from that. So that's a little bit where I was dinging. Like the RPGs, like Dragon Quest 7, you have, but a lot of them moved into like where like Final Fantasy 7 was trying to go. And there was not like a traditional RPG for me, really, um, that I wanted to play there. There's so many RPGs I don't care about on PS2. Are you telling me there's not like a subgenre of stupid Super Nintendo style games? There's not really, no. Weird. All right. Yeah. I, I think I was just thinking about this. If I were born in a different time, PS2 would be my favorite console. Like it's just down to it's just down to me having the feels for the SNES because of when I happened to be born. I think it's probably the best console. I just kind of have the... I was really into like graphics and things like that when this was out, so I just didn't play PS2 as much because I'm like, why would I play PS2 when I could play Xbox? It's the better console, you stupid idiots. Uh, but looking back, like I think it's the best console ever made, probably. How did that, uh, how did that take age? How did that take age? Yeah. What are you talking about? He just about? said he was wrong. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how did okay. that take age? Anyway, Johnny, move us on. Iconic titles. So here's where I'm way off from you guys. You guys have uh, Tyler 6, Stefan 5. I gave it a 3. Tyler, tell me why you think it's a three. 6 in, icon <laughs> in iconic titles. 3? <laughs> yeah, 3. Tell You tell me what, why it's what a 6. What do you want, Johnny? You, you want me to talk about Sly Cooper and Jack and Ratchet and Clank and Akami and Final Fantasy X and Shadow of the Colossus? And Silent Hill 2, I know it's on Xbox. I don't care. Uh, the Grand Theft Auto series, I know it's multi-platform, but people usually think of the PlayStation games. And God of War and Devil May Cry and Katamari Damacy. Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, Persona, whatever other RPGs I just don't care about because they're uh, RPGs. Burnout. So Tekken. Good. Oh, God. I'm, a lot of them are multi-platform. Like Guitar Hero. I, I, Guitar Hero wasn't multi-platform to begin with. That was just a PS2 game. Jack and Daxter. Gran Turismo mm. 4. Mmm. Mm. Mm, Jack and Daxter. Mmm. Okay. Mm. So I and I'm gonna counter it with that like 
only this. So yes, it's got a lot of major license, and I did move mine up from a three to a four, just so we're all because <laughs> I, I realized I looked at and like the right answer might for me might be five. I'm still thinking about it. I I, I went low just because. I looked at the mascot thing and I'm like, who are your mascots really for the PS2 for this console, which has mm. the one of the greatest libraries of all time. Yeah. Like they, it's they best never really did land a mascot. Did they, they didn't land a mascot and they didn't have a franchise. Like they've got a lot of franchises, but the best of the franchise wasn't there to like grow into the next thing. Like what, what happened there? And I, I kind of peeked ahead to the PS3 and went, I think I like the PS3 better and I think there's more mascotty stuff and like more iconic PS3 titles, and was better done on the PS3 than on the PS2. But Johnny, uh, if you had again, to pick a PS3 I, mascot without thinking, what would it be? Uh, the Naughty Dog logo. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it would be Sackboy from Little Big Planet, and then if I thought about it, it might be Nathan Drake. Thinking about it on the PS2, like literally, if you asked me to put a mask it's on Kratos. the PS2. It might be CJ from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, just because not I, not Kratos, not like, Kratos. Kratos. I bet I bet That's Grand Theft Auto San Andreas sold more than God of War. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, well, it, I mean, because it's sold on like 25. You're different right. It systems. should be Kratos, <laughs> and, and it's also. I mean, that game came out incredibly late in the in the console's life cycle. So, but, like, what, didn't those but both early come out on 2005? the 2005. Yeah, I mean, I know, early on the PS5 library though, so that that was nice. All right, move us on. Wrong man okay. about iconic games. Yeah. I, I moved it up to a four. <laughs> I right, can still right, be wrong. Right. Uh, okay. Value proposition. Can you put your money in? Can you get it out? Long-term value. Guys, uh, we're pretty close. Fours and fives. is. Uh, you guys are fives. I'm a four because I'm always rating everything lower than everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, I, I think there's just a shitload of potential to grow in everything but like the tippy top of ps2 which is like your horror survival and your pretty much that um so yeah i think the potential to grow is sort of where this got me is that it's not the vast majority of the library is not that expensive right now and um and i think it's got legs it's got legs i agree with that i do think i think a lot of it comes from it being incredibly varied and in my opinion the best console of all time and the only thing that prevents it from being like a seven is because PS2 games are balls common. So it's got that going yeah. against it. It does have the anti-collector feel for it. And the size of the library works against it for me. But yeah, I, I think we're all close enough that I don't need to explain myself. Cost of collecting. Guys, uh, you guys, or Steph and I both have a five. Uh Tyler, you have a six. You you think it's super cheap, pretty much two. And I said it's a five. And I'll go with why I'm a five. And that's mainly just because of the good stuff that, like, if you're a collector and you're going to see the Instagram photo of, mm-hmm. and like survival horror. It's basically like, Kuan and Rule of Rose. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like if you want to buy those, those are like pretty expensive. Overall, not like still. If you average out that the price of all the cool games, not very expensive. But it's got a few that you're just going to feel it in the in the butt when you bite them. When also, you buy them, uh, bite rule them. Rule of Rose, oh. uh, dogs think it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. I like it so much, I bought it twice. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys are thinking more of the high end, and I'm more thinking of like, there are a ton of amazing PS2 games you can get for less than 15 bucks. And I know it's not maybe the Nintendo Wii in terms of how almost free a lot of games are. Uh, and it has gone up in price, but it's still pretty far down there just because of how common I, yeah. games are. 
I mean, you're a six, we're at a five. We're still saying it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Like on the spectrum, cheap. Like, yeah, get yeah. in, get some of those PS2 games. Yeah. Extendability. Uh, Tyler and I give this a two. Stefan, you give it a three. Why do you think that what is going on where you think this is a three? Because I think there's pretty much like nothing to do with the PS2. Uh, yeah, so uh, again, I've been kind of favoring import libraries. I think there's some really fun stuff on the PS2, but also uh, the, the, there were a fair amount of magazine demos for PS in the PS2 generation as well, right? Um, sure, but I feel like that's the only thing it's got. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I guess I just I just valued those two things higher than you did. Yeah, that, that's fair. There's some standalone demo discs and stuff too. Yeah. I mean. There's, you know, there's like magazines so much. and demos are all like the same category to me. There's so many games that there must be a lot more to collect for all of this shit. Like, I almost want to well, go up to three without even knowing what else there is to collect. But the, like, even like special editions, there's not that like there's some movie ticket stuff in here that you can go get, but there's not that many special editions. It, like, well, yeah, it was a system falling, that, falling generation that really kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I say. It was just like PlayStation was right at the cusp, but there's not like a lot of special editions of the consoles either. Like think about all the weird stuff N64 did, like their controllers. PlayStation doesn't have that many colors or like they've got a couple different models of the system, but pretty that is interesting too because overall. Like, that is interesting because like, the, the Xbox as far like the Xbox did have a shitload of like console variants with all their fucking Mountain Dew and Halo and all that shit. I mean, um, yeah, not very many, but more than yes, like the PlayStation, like they're like a rose colored one. I think there's like a blue one. There's like a white one, but like not there's a nothing, one. none of the there's a bunch. There's none of there's none of them are exciting or like, oh, man, everyone got this one. Not like when you get to the PS3 where you're like, oh, yeah, did you get this one or the PS4 where you're like. Oh man, like you got some really yeah, literally hot stuff everyone who went PS4 variants were like fucking uh like comic book variant covers. Like anybody who anybody who wanted to make one could. Yeah, I still want that Spider-Man one. So I good. like the R2D2 one. The, the R2D2 one is cool. The R2, that's the Xbox. That oh, was it? Yeah, Xbox is R2D2 the 360. Uh they have a Darth Vader head one which is not oh, nice right. on the PS4 and they also have like the Rebel slash Imperial logo. Yeah, that Spider-Man one was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, it's so good. But the controller was kind of not nice. Like, maybe I would have liked a deeper red than, like, that candy apple. Still pretty cool looking, though. Mm. The white Mm. spider on it. Batman one, also very good. Anyways. All right. We have more uh, to say? Do you you want to say more about extendability? I was just going to point out, um, it almost doesn't matter, because there's so many PS2 games, it's going to take you years to get them all, right? Like you, yeah. You have everything, Johnny, and you don't have a PS2 set. That's true. Does VG collect a Holic have a P- PS2 set? I don't know. We'll have to ask mm. him. Right into the ship. All right. Move us on. All right. So, cool factor. Um, is the PS2 cool, guys? You gave it. Uh, Stefan, you gave it a five. I gave it a four. Stefan gave it a four. Or Tyler gave it a four. I changed mine up. I added three, and I was like, no, nah, it's cooler than that. I was thinking about some of the stuff. I'm like, no, its games are cool. The hardware isn't cool. Special editions are not really a thing. The controller, it still, I feel, is bad. Just like, it's the PS1 controller that they didn't really do much better. But I still think the, the system has a certain cachet that is cool about it. And the cases are fine and very consistent. Okay. So... I really like the DualShock 2. Sorry. A lot of this came, my five kind of came down to how cool I think the console is actually. Like being able to like swivel the icon to match 
the orientation of the console that's fucking bananas um they they made like the slim console a thing um and the ps2 slim is awesome i don't know Um, nintendo made minis first did they yeah the nes nes mini and super nintendo yeah top loader and the super nintendo mini okay okay sure Mm, neither of them are super common (laughs) i mean uh but anyway yeah um so like i think i think the console itself is is extra cool i think the like those fucking cubes in the startup sequence will be forever burned into my brain um uh yeah i just i think the styling of it is great i think the the uniformity of the boxes is nice um and they're dvd cases so they're pretty fucking resilient which is nice um yeah i think i'm I'm happy with my five here's the thing where i'm gonna impugn it a little bit hardware issues the i mean you talked about the slim the slim was a necessary hardware change because of the failure rate of the original playstation 2 but we don't talk about it but like that disc the the disc laser on that thing failed a lot and so did the motor to drive it because it was uh, a mechanical you know loading disc and the slim cut it down and like just took out a point of failure uh, and I, I think about as someone who like rates quality stuff a lot, I, I look at the failures of that and I know that I personally had to buy three PS2s in, in my lifetime of owning PS2s and was not happy about that. So I'm digging it there. This is speaking to quality. I just got kind of a, a unique POV on this. So this was the generation in which I started in the game industry. And so uh, I used a lot of PS2s. Um, and the the failure rate was pretty high even on the test kits because, you know, we were running them practically 24 hours a day. And, like, one of the more interesting things that would happen would be the laser would get misaligned and start to physically cut the discs. Um, that was a big that was a big failure point for the for the test PS2s. Um, and also PS2 by far was as far as because as you might imagine we were like throwing controllers out on the weekly basis because of how much use they were getting uh at, at a certain point and and the the ps2 controllers also failed way way more than uh than the xbox or the um the gamecube at the time all right so yeah. that, that brings us to our totals good good point Stefan. um it got 104 points so 104 it Ranked very well. I gave it a 32 being the lowest. I like it the least. Tyler and Stefan, you got it exactly the same at 36, which is a very high score. So, um, Stefan, that is your uh, third highest rated system. So you have, yeah, good stuff. you know, Tyler, it is uh, you tie. Well, it's your fourth. As much as you t- talking about it being the greatest system, you didn't rate it higher than your fourth best system here. I think I ding it a little for being it's really common and really easy to find games in pretty nice shape. So the collectability, I think, is diminished from just that. And that's a lot of where my tilt came from, too. Yeah, which uh, you still gave it more points than I gave the Super Nintendo, just so we're all clear on what happened here. Uh, but to be <laughs> I fair, understand. I, Glad I came back to witness this. I don't like I need to go fix the score, but <laughs> I, I don't because it affects the overall rankings now. So I don't want to tick anything up. OK, so we we talked about 
all these games, and I know there's a lot of talky-talky about ranks. Let, let's uh, give you the TLDR. Hey, if we were going to tell you what we thought after rating everything, the best systems. Number one, NES got 111 points, and uh, that was rated the best by by Tyler. The SNES rated, I'm sorry, Tyler gave uh, a, a 39, or Stefan gave the SNES a 39. Um, that's second place. Johnny, restart the what what okay, you just said yeah, made I, no sense. Just yeah, okay, thank you. All right. So going back and now looking at the TLDR, looking at what systems did the best and who gave it the best points. The NES, that's our top top ranked system with 111 points. Who gave it the highest score? That was Tyler with 38. The SNES got 110 points. And that's why I didn't want to change my score, because if I would have, then I feel like it affects the SNES rating. And makes it a tie, and I didn't want that, but Stefan gave it the most with 39. Because I love it the most, Yeah, to be clear. The PS1 <laughs> got 106, so SNES and, and NES, very close. Not far behind, though, is the PS1 at 106. So that, I mean, that's our third place system. And who's giving it the best score? Tyler. Better Ooh. than the PS2. Uh, so Tyler's being very generous in this score. <laughs> PS2, 104, very close to to the PS one and very close to the top. So there's, there's our top four. And then the disparity after this becomes a much bigger leap. Uh, PS two rated highest by Tyler and Stefan, both with 36. Now we get to the Genesis being the fifth system out of eight, five out of eight for us with a 90. Um, so yeah, what happened there guys? I thought the Genesis was amazing. Why didn't we, why did Stefan give it a 34? It like should have got an 85, I think. But uh, Stefan is keeping it afloat with the 34. Atari got a 75. Now, did anybody expect the Atari to be not last place? Because I thought it was going to be last place. Uh, I thought for sure the N64 was going to be last place. I and thought Sega Saturn was going to be last, honestly. Okay. So, anyways, the Atari got a 75. Tyler, again, giving the most points. Tyler, seven points higher, higher than Stefan. The, the, I think that's the biggest divergence in any one Raider to another. Yep. Um, well, no, that also in the Genesis, me, me and me and Stefan feeling that much different about it. So seven point swing, pretty big. And now we go into the N64 with 66 points, second to last place. Man, I, we, we all rated that pretty closely, but somehow, and this is a triumph for all, for me, who, who's famously said <laughs> it's a garbage system for garbage people, <laughs> rated it the highest at 23 points. Johnny I mean, loves be, the N64. <laughs> to be fair, that uh, is my <laughs> second lowest score that I gave any console and is only one point higher than Stefan and two points, or one point higher than Tyler and two oh, points higher, th- higher than Stefan. But somehow I thought it was the best. And Tyler... Two of his favorite games on it. I just don't, I don't know what the fuck happened. I just, there's a mistake. The mistakes were made. I, don't, I I apologize to everyone who's ever listened to me talk about the Super Nintendo and the N64. I, I'm, I've been wrong. Uh, the, the Sega Saturn coming in last place. Again, another thing I don't understand because I like the Saturn a whole lot, but when we're putting it to kind of me trying to be objective here, we got a 61. So in last place by quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I came in with a 32 and Stefan and Tyler are, no, I, I came in with a 20 and, uh, uh, Tyler being the lowest, sorry, Tyler, the lowest with 18, me with a 20 and Stefan with a 23. So the highest score it got 
was uh, very low. So, it's, to be clear, Stefan likes the Saturn as much as I like the N64. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely how these statistics work. Right, uh, yeah. Huh. No, uh. I mean, th- these aren't good scores in general. Uh, like, if you want to look, my N64 score is a 36 or 35, and uh, N64 is a 23. So, there's a big disparity in how I feel about those. All right, I'm concerned we're throwing out too many numbers, Johnny. Do we have any more takeaways from our no, amazing that, objective analysis? No, that that's it. So uh, I can I can put this out there for you guys if you need to see. I know it's talking. If you want to like listen it and read through this and see what our criteria were again, I know we talked about them a lot, but I can put them out there. Yeah, a lot of numbers were thrown at you. Anyways, top ten again: NES, SNES, PS1, PS2, Genesis, Atari, N64. And Saturn being the worst. That's it. Thanks for listening to what a numbery episode that had to be. Whew. <laughs> this is definitely now for the least second half episode. of our show. So this is going to be a six-hour podcast. Now, do we do we want to cut it and do do we want to not do a question since we're already at like three hours? Fine, we'll cut the question. We'll cut the question. Okay, I have one thing for you then. No question this week, but I will give you a would you rather own. So this is a new thing we started doing question uh question we started doing, Stefan. If you have to pick one, which is the cooler thing to own? Earthbound complete in box with a nice strategy guide or maximum carnage QVC. Mm, both of them Super Nintendo? Both of them Super Nintendo. Uh still Earthbound. Tyler. Johnny, why is Chase the Chuck Wagon written in the episode document? I because I'm gonna wanted, ask about Earthbound versus Chase the Chuck Wagon. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I it was a it was a MacGuffin. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna pick Earthbound. It's uh it's a Nintendo exclusive and it's a much cooler game in everyone's opinion. So I'm gonna go even though that. even though Maximum Carnage is rare and it's got the whole Spider-Man appeal and everything. But Spider-Man doesn't appeal to me because I'm a DC Comics guy, so I just don't care. And I think that box is garbage and the Earthbound box is pretty chonky and cool. So I'm still going Earthbound. If I also collected comics, then maybe the QVC edition, because uh, listeners may not know, the the hardbound book that comes with that QVC uh, release is exclusive to that QVC release. So if you want that particular hardbound copy of Maximum Carnage, the comics, uh, you have to buy that QVC. And I'll have you know another fun fact: those pins are exclusive. So if you collect pins, the only way—no, if you collect I'm pins, <laughs> stop. Yeah, yeah, don't do it. All right, that's uh, that was it. That's the would you rather? What would you rather collect or own? Anyways, that's a fun little thing we started doing. I, I try to think of an example of two things I think are similar: Earthbound, Maximum Carnage, big boxes with a book included. That was my comparison. Got it. Okay. Uh, cool. Guys, buying? What did you buy anything? Tyler, uh, Stefan? Sure. Last thing I bought is just because it's 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 cool and new. I found the uh, the original art for the JVC cover of uh, X Men for the NES. Um, it is the the original art, sorta. So uh, in that the line art was uh, just like marketing. Uh, like prefab artwork in the Mar- in the Marvel archives, you know, this is because it's the back in the day when basically they were just an advertising agency. Um, 
and uh, so it's like a cobbled together mess of uh, of some prefab artwork. So the line work on the art is uh, was done through a photostat machine, which is similar to a photocopy machine. Um, but uh, but the colors are original, and so it's like it's the the line work is not original, and yet it's still quote unquote the thing that was used to make the cover uh, for the for the NES game. That was my coolest pickup and in the interest of time that's all I'll talk about this week nice Neat. okay tyler uh I, this is a rare week johnny where i think i've both bought nothing and played nothing i've been uh what? yeah i know i've been uh researching and upgrading my backpack gear for some trips with friends so Nerd. that's all i've been doing uh i i've been buying lego stuff so not a whole lot i i did get one cool item and I did I talk about it last time that it was coming? I got this Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone for PS1, but it, it's sealed, but it's from the EA store. So the EA store put a little sticker over the PS1 case, over the seal and everything, and it says, uh, you know, do not, or uh, EA store only on it. So it, it's pretty cool. And you would only find this variant as someone who bought it from the EA store, kept it sealed. So it's like really the only way you'll see it. It says... Uh, a purchased, uh, pro- a product purchased fr- from the EA store on it. So, pretty cool. Weird, weird variant. I've got a whatever the X original Xbox rugby game is. I've got an EA store sticker on that. That's oh, nice. Yeah, yeah it's like, is it same gold like a gold foil sticker? I don't think so. But also, it probably came out ten years after your game. So, uh, well, stickers so. probably changed over time. Except for the Microsoft Store sticker one, you could find that going back to like flight simulators from yes mid two thousand. Those were like on the yeah, those were like on the boxes though. So this one is interesting because it's on the seal. So the minute you open it, the sticker goes away forever. Yeah, super dumb. They, they didn't think that one through, or the employee messed up. Yeah. Either way, pretty cool that it that it's there and it exists. I've never seen another one with that sticker on it. Uh, granted, I don't look at a lot of sealed PS1 stuff, so maybe you got some you can show me. That's it. Uh, yeah, I played some Lego Star Wars. That's that's all I've done. Okay, that's it for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Guys, where can we find you? Um, yeah, sure. Just Google Art of Nintendo Power. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, you'll find all my things that way. Um, I will say we are doing a show at the Game On Expo in August in phoenix arizona um and i will be setting up at the Port- portland retro gaming expo in october right so keep me yeah, on october. october yeah uh so i will be there as well um also i think there's a megabit i think is in september again it's just this little uh one day convention in simi valley california where johnny and i live uh so uh that one's easy so i'll i'll set up there too because i i like them and i like supporting local local people so, uh, yeah, so those are the three uh, conventions that I will be at for the rest of the year if you would like to see the Art of Nintendo Power Museum exhibit in person. I just have something to, to question. One, Portland, remember how they were going to move that to the summer? And then instead, you have an expo in Phoenix in August, which sounds like hell. Uh, why would it's I want to be? Not my why would I want to be in Phoenix? Like, hey, Hey there, Phoenix Game On Expo. Move yours into the fall when it's not a million degrees. And then, <laughs> hey, Portland, you have nice weather in the summer. Why don't you move your 
yours to the summer. Yeah. Just has it ever not you. been raining when we go to Portland? No, it always. I, mean, I think that's what happens in the Pacific Northwest. But, like, guys, like, I don't want to go to a convention. In, in It's not like Vegas where you're just like, I can always just be inside. That's not Phoenix, man. Gross. Please don't, please don't put me in the heat. I already live in someplace hot, and I still don't want to go to Phoenix. Anyways, that's it. Tyler, where where are we finding you now? Anywhere? Do you go places? I'm on the, the Instagram, the video game sage, or just message me on Discord. Oh, I'm default okay. gen, default G-E-N. <laughs> and you I'm know, Johnny just Anderson. find me. You'll, you know you'll where have I to go am. to just those places me. and then get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just type in Tyler and you'll find me. I mean, type in Johnny on video game sage, you will just find me. Anyways, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Johnny underscore Iuchi, and you can find me on our Discord. And you can get to our Discord by becoming a patron for as little as $2 or as much as 6 But $4 is the sweet spot where you get the bonus content. Anyways, the Discord is the best part, and I hope you guys join because uh, we have great conversations and great people there. And that's at patreon.com slash collectors quest. Thanks so much for listening. That's the episode. Sorry for all the numbers. Bye! That is our show. As always, no errata. All our opinions are 100% correct. Thank you to ApeBit, apebit.bandcamp.com. He does our intro music. And thank you to the patrons. Richard, patron number one, Bowden, Canadian variant alert, Chris, Chris Glidden, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jaxvik, high-end collector, Andrew Brim, greeting stranger, I'm not surprised to see Andrew Shelton around here, 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre, video games were meant to be slabbed, Brandon Ackley, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, the strictly limited, super rare, Bruno, Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, Too Many NES Accessories, Morozek, Johnny's GBA Hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, Playing with Power, Connor Strange, The Last Game You Need for the Set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hang Tab, Dustin Beagle, He Has Returned to Judge This City, Eric Addison, Man of Nintendo in the World of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, Another Vinyl Collector, Frizzly X Bear, The Actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, I'm sorry for shitting on Shinobi 3 this episode. Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, Joseph Garris, he's just out here. What is it? He's just out here having a good time, achieving his goals. Proud of you. The Nintendo Tape Archivist, Joseph Leo, Lance, Lord Hardstyle Z, The Degenerate, Matt Fall, Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here. Funko Land, Employee, Platform Agnostic, Read the Game Shark. The Famicom Box Retro Game Enthusiast. They could be Ghosts and Goblins twice. Chefish. Sean, the Gamer Collective. The Newcraft, who could beat Mega Man without the pause trick. Previously unknown variant, Tim Walker. From the internet, Todd Fisher. Can't put limits on collecting. VG Collectaholic. The Willennium. Will Joe. Keeper of the Zelda variant. Zero X Def Code. Previous game collector, Adam Cavanaugh. I want to make sure I'm getting this right, but uh, Adam, I'm pretty sure you just popped in our Discord and you're like, hey, I don't collect video games. I collect records. Uh, but 10 or 15 years ago, Adam collected video games. He just likes uh, knowing about weird stuff that we talk about. And I am so there with him because I listen to stamp and comic YouTube videos all the time, even though I don't collect Getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't. All caps! No gods or kings! Only Andy Lancaster! What a 9.8! A++ Benji! The actually rare Bird Dog Gaming! Dropping the Mario 64 Penguin off the map! Brandon Chalker! Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode. 
Christopher Piper, still shaking from what he found at Goodwill. Still finding deals in 2022, Colton Murphy. A winner is him, David Green, Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show. I know it's late. Don Libby, the hero of time. Double Ugly presents Double Ugly, the official game of the movie. Actually understands the Zelda timeline. Jeff Pierce, Jeff the Game Boy Ferris. He is error. Jeff Russell, Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk. Joe actually plays his games champ pity. Video game art collector because video games are art. Justin Chichio, Lateral Movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael posting in the Discord right now. Chiara Monti, Nancy Hollenbach, Pro Skater. Nick, the video game database Morgan, homebrew mastermind Divertov, the other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games, Dungeon Master, Reed Stubinick, the promoter, retro RPG podcast, Tom, obscure variant chaser Chase, Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games, 32 bits or less, do the math! Andrew, actually collecting Engage O, Ben Parker, a bad enough dude to rescue the president, Chesno, all your base are belong to him. Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The modern database, Danny Gomez. The philatelist, Dork Overlord. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. He's proud of us for rating PS1 so highly this episode. PS1, such a good console to collect, guys. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon. Collector of everything, including Atari. Kalen McAteer. Sorry about not rating Atari either. Video game console modding guy, MP3, Noah, Nintendogs, Chikanti, Sam, Sega Mark III, Marks, Sean, the video game Illuminati, LaCroix, and Hedgemon of the Geek Empire, Veldor the Great. Thank you guys so much.